All right. Welcome, brother. What's up, dude? All right. Everyone, welcome to episode six of <laughs> Loading with Will and Finn. We are back in studio, as you can see, back with my partner. In, this, in the stew. Back in the stew, and we have a super cool guest this week. He's one of our close friends from high school. He is a stud golfer and plays for University California Santa Barbara Gauchos. His name is Brandon Bueno. We know him. You love him. Brandon Bueno. Mr. Ah. Bueno. What's up, guys? <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. So, uh, yeah, as, as Will said, we've known this kid for a minute. Uh, he's a really close friend of ours um, and a pretty stud golfer as well. So we're going to try to just get his take on a bunch of things in general, but also mm -hmm. kind of see maybe a little inside golf and just get yeah. some big golf episode yeah. coming your way this week big guys. golf episode get some some takes so, on. Uh, so if you don't like events. golf this probably isn't for you i'm just gonna give you a heads up yeah well you know <laughs> we're funny though Stick all right around. so we're gonna start a little bit away from golf um bueno we know you just moved your little sister into usc today congratulations bianca on starting school um and Woo! we thought it'd be fun to reminisce about our freshman move-ins and ask like if you have any memories from moving in freshman year to ucsb um, I totally do. And the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, there's the big long line and the cars come in and then you move all your shit into the dorm. And then, you know, as soon as you got your stuff in, coach said, you know, meet him. We got a team meeting, everybody as soon as you can. And, you know, I show up super early, you know, like a freshman. <laughs> first, super first, early. First day. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, a couple other kids come in. Finally, How early in terms of minutes? How early? Uh, before the meeting started, probably about, you know, 80 minutes. <laughs> I guess it took other kids yeah. longer. Like an hour and a half, bro? Like almost yeah. an hour and a half. That's there a lot. There you go, all right. So I was just kind of sitting there awkwardly, like, with Coach, you know, hey. Um, oh, was that miserable? How old is he? He is, is he 65 now. 65? What's his name? Uh, Steve Lass. Mm -hmm. Did you guys hit it off? Or was it like an awkward so, 80 minutes where it's like a, yeah. you just are bringing up anything you can to like... No, Coach Lass is... He's... Um, I didn't really like him at first that much, but he's grown on me a lot. Um, he's not in for small talk or bullshit or any of that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's very man-to-man, -man and he treats us like men. He, you know, leaves us responsible for a lot of things, like practicing. Is that being nice for saying he's a hard-ass? Absolutely. Okay. No, he's hard -ass. Super, super old school... He's, uh, you know, done some things that other coaches probably would frown upon and whatnot, but I'm fine with it. You know, obviously a lot of people nowadays are, mm -hmm. um, coaching styles are different. Let's put it that way gotcha. compared to how they used to be. And I'm more on the old school grind. So Could you give us me. like a small example of that in a way that you're comfortable with? Yeah. So, well, let's take the first day, you know, we'll go back to the story. So the meeting finally starts and, um, you know, he basically goes, you know, what did... Did anybody accomplish uh, something over summer, golf-wise, you know, tournament-wise or anything, that they had never done before and that was, like, really noteworthy? And he talks like this, guys, did anybody <laughs> do something worth talking about? And some kid um, who's not on the team anymore. Damn. Um, Rip. <laughs> he, he raises his hand. He goes, I almost qualified for, you know, this tournament. I forgot what it was. And coach goes, you almost qualified. 
You almost fucking qualified. <laughs> just, you know, it was like the first thing, Yo. and he just loses it on the kid, and it was hilarious. How is that no word? That, that's <laughs> tough to be the guinea pig on the first meeting right. to just was he in your get a sense for yes, what the coach is about, and he just instantly goes in on this kid. Exactly, and the rest of us are kind of sitting there like, okay, this is. I kinda, guess we don't do that. Right, <laughs> you know, just make uh, less is more a lot of the time mm -hmm. with him, and it's kind of the way it should be. Um, if you play golf. It's kind of, you know, a lot of people like to talk about the round or what they shot or whatever. And, you know, nobody really cares. You know, if someone cares, they'll ask you about it, mm -hmm. you know. And if you play well, then people know you play well. Do you have a relationship with the players on the team where you guys interact more about how you play day to day? Or is it still kind of you don't talk about it? We we do in a constructive manner. Mm -hmm. um, I think Coach has, has created that uh, cool – or the environment where when you are talking about golf it's something that actually matters mm -hmm. um and is constructive mm -hmm. so every time after you know for instance after we have a tournament round mm -hmm. so the way college golf is formatted is you'll have 36 holes on a monday and then you play 18 the next day 36 holes on a monday yeah 36 every monday or not whenever every the monday, tournament whenever the tournament is. dude that's yeah. gnarly so that's you can't have any classes on monday no, uh, you can, but you miss them all. You miss them all. So some kids actually try to schedule all their classes on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you play the practice round Sunday, thirty-six holes Monday, eighteen holes Tuesday, and then drive back or fly back or whatever it is. And after every day, we all have a team meeting in the hotel room. And this is a pretty cool thing: is that coach and our assistant coach, uh, Jim, Jim Lee. Uh, they, they're not part of the meeting. They let us talk about everything ourselves. And they might say a thing or two in the practice round or while we're playing, but they trust us enough that, you know, we've done our research and we're gonna play smart and we're gonna come together and, you know, make a good game plan. And when we come back, you know, in the meeting, whenever we talk about something, it's like, you know, hey guys, um, I fucked up on whole 12 mm -hmm. you know i made a six and it was because uh i short-sighted myself mm -hmm. left of the green and that's a really bad spot if the pin is you know x y or z in a spot okay. in the pin. Or, can you talk about how you possibly break like analyze a course before you're about to go play it is that how it goes down like, yeah talk about the kind of the analytics behind before you play so there's a lot of uh you would call that course management mm -hmm. and that's a huge part of golf a lot of kids um, that are studs, ball striking wise, being able to hit the ball, putt, chip, that's all awesome. But being able to navigate your way around the course in, mm -hmm. a, in a smart way is is huge um, in the terms of limiting large numbers. Because everybody's gonna make birdie, especially at this level. College pro, you're all gonna make birdies, you're all gonna hit your shots, but it's, you know, when you're out of position, when you're hitting bat, when you hit a couple bad shots, where do you leave yourself? You put yourself back into a competitive position. Right. And, you know, you're going to have misses. And as the great Ben Hogan once said, um, golf is a, basically a game. Who wins the tournament uh, missed the best. You know, had mm -hmm. the best misses. And so a lot of that, for example, um, if you took a, a green and the pin was on the right side of the green and there's a bunker on the right side and the green is sloped away from the bunker, and then there's regular, you know, rough or fairway on the left side, and you're in the fairway. You know, never should you aim even at the flag or anywhere right of the flag. Because mm -hmm. if you're in that bunker, chances of you making par, getting up and down, are 
very slim mm-hmm. versus if you miss you know if you aim at the middle of the green and you miss left you can easily get up and down mm-hmm. so a lot of people you know if you were smart you'd aim at the mm-hmm. middle of the green if you push it then you might have hit it right at the flag and that was an accident and you hear that a lot on tv you know when there's a pin tucked on a really hard hole on sunday at the u.s open or whatnot and some guy flags it it's right at the pin and you know, the announcer goes that probably wasn't on purpose you know because that's probably smart enough probably not right, to be doing right. exactly yeah. not to be aiming there and he right. just happened to push it or are those dudes just going at it because of the moment right you know there's or are they that good as a competitor as, as the audience good? i'm always like no nah, he meant that shit like he, yeah. he's going there's for no it. way like morikawa didn't mean to just yeet hold 16 that was absurd yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get to that later but I, <laughs> that was what that's what popped in my mind you know, you can't deny that you know what i mean all right um for moving, right. Oh, Are you yeah, still breaking yeah. down course management? or No, that... I'm good. I mean, we keep talking about it for, you know, and bore the shit out of you guys. All right. <laughs> we can uh, sidestep course management when it was about to go deep. Um, but do you have a um, move-in story worth worth telling? Yeah, actually, I probably do. So um, Did you go random, or how did you Yeah, I went random. Room? How did you find your roommate? Let's just break that yeah. down. Um, well, as an athlete, a lot of the times they want to put you all together, so there's this um, basically dorm in Isla Vista right off campus called Tropicana everybody calls it Trop mm. and that's where you know they have a deal with the UCSB mm. athletic department where all of the kids um, basically live there with the exception of um, men's golf and then men's and women's volleyball and so coach mm. basically goes you know do you want to live on campus do you want to live in Trop do you want to live with a kid I don't give a fuck you know wherever you want to live is cool and I was like you know what I'll live you know, with some rando says, you know, I'm going to meet all the athletes regardless. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to meet the guys on my team. Let me meet, you know, other kids. You I know, like that. Regular kids. So um, I actually got super lucky. Oh, here's a, here's a great moving story, right? So walk into my dorm room and you can move in at 11 and I walk in at 12 and I'm like, I'm pretty good. I'm only one hour after. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm going to be there before the other kids so I can get my yeah, get your shit together. Out, yeah. Right. You know, the whole deal. Get, get the picked, good room. Get picked out. Exactly. Get the, the good, good side yeah. of the room. Yeah. Um, and we had a triple that was for a double. So coach kind of hooked it up in that sense. And this kid's name was Riley Carroll. But so I walk in and he's already got, he's already been there. And his parents are already gone. His parents are gone already? Gone. He takes, you know, in it's it's a bunk bed, a bunk bed, and two desks. And he took his desk and my desk and um, had two uh, like PC monitors, two big computers, (laughs) and uh, uh, one of the cameras. Yeah. So he took his desk, put it under his bunk bed. And you know, I walk in and he's playing some video game. It looks like he's flying drones over Afghanistan or something. <laughs> and, uh, and I just walk in. And he's got his headphones. Like, uh, you know, hey man, nothing. And I go tap him on the shoulder. Hey dude, you know, I'm your roommate. What's up? I'm Brandon. <laughs> oh, good, know, bro. Nice to finally game meet you. He did goes, he look away from the game? He goes. You? He goes. Okay, cool. You know. Like, All right. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, that's so anticlimactic. In, in your in bro. your head, though, you're like. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, well, we might not be the best friend because I don't really play video games. Never mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Don't think either. I ever will. But um, yeah, it's too late at this point. Yeah. So it turned out perfect because his girlfriend also from high school also goes to UCSB and lived in the dorm literally across, you know, the dining commons. Mm-hmm. And he happened to be there 
80% of the time. So, so you had I a single and a triple. Basically had a single and triple and, you know, October, you know, relatively early on in, in the year, I didn't see him for a good probably seven days straight. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot him a text. I was like, hey, you know, are you okay? What are you doing? I haven't seen you, you know, we're roommates. You still right? go to school here or what? Right, yeah, like, what's up? <laughs> And he's like, no, I've just been hanging out at my girlfriend's place and, you know, went back home this weekend and I think I'm going to go to, we're going to fly to New York on, on Monday um, and be gone for another, like, six days. And you're I'm like, bro, what? I'm like, why don't you, like, let me know? Yeah, like, give me a heads up. <laughs> cool. like, have you been doing this all semester? Right. Like, have so you been like, regularly buying places? Or? But we, we had it really, we, let's put it this way, we peacefully coexisted. I think I've Which talked is the to best. him since. Yeah. We never had any problems. It was super nice. We just, you know didn't become friends but it was perfect if he wanted a room he could have it if he wanted to play video games or have a night with his girlfriend or whatever i was totally cool you know and it was great peacefully coexisted um and i couldn't you know ask for much better and i got really lucky where all the other guys on my floor mm -hmm. happened to be a bunch of like uh, crazy nuts too so cool um that was fun all right then how about your uh moving Okay, so I so the way it works at Bama is you go to orientation first, and typically your orientation is like sometime in the middle of the summer, and right. then you come back. That's how it was for Michigan too. Yeah, which doesn't make sense if you right just paying for two flights. Yeah, paying for two flights. <laughs> yeah, like it's just dumb. well because like you have to book your classes over orientation, yeah. so it's there's an incentive to go, to go early, earlier. and especially like at you know. But you're basically just like, spending way more money. They're in, the like, type A type people that go to the first one. Exactly. To get all the classes. Well, I was the type C person that went yeah. to the last one. Okay, you went to the last one. But especially because I was like, dude, I'm not going to spend, like, get two flights to go to the same place. Like, that's dumb. So they have this one option where it's like, you go to orientation and then move in right after orientation. Mm -hmm. So you get the earliest move in, which to me, I was like, that's that's yeah. freaking Moneyball right there. Right. I get to not do two flights, and I get to pick of the litter on my dorms, right? Yeah. So I get in this place, and, like, I don't know. I remember there was some Bama portal, and, like, some kids were, like, messaging me, and I was like, how do you seem to You have to talk about where you lived because it was, like, the most premier living yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, so we lived, I lived in this uh, dorm called Prez 2, I believe. I was in Prez 2. There's one and two, and they are cribs. They're massive dormitories that massive. are... Insane! Like, it's Lord of the Flies. For people at just, Michigan, it's like a Zaragon size apartment. Uh, like this, a very nice apartment yeah. in Arbor. Like that's what you guys had. It's, with, it's with a sweet common style. Area. You have a common area. Everyone gets their own rooms. Um, and it's Lord of the Flies because it's just kids not being managed. So right. throughout the year, there's all sorts of funny things that kind of pop up. But you know, this is day one. I just finished orientation. My sister uh, was a couple years above me in Alabama. So she helped me move in. My parents didn't come out. Um, and I scoop up my keys from the front desk. They're like, if you lose these, you know, you got to pay money, whatever. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the keys. I want to go get I want to <laughs> go get in my college Give dorm. Give me the keys. I want to go get in my college dorm and, like, yeah. you know, get this thing started. So I come in, and grant you, I have the earliest move-in time. Mm -hmm. Like, the earliest one. So I open the door, and there's someone already in the dorm room. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. Like, and I check, and, like, his room is completely set up and had been lived in for, like, a week. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I was like, oh, no. this is really whack. Like, I had, the, I thought I had the call at the earliest door at the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, put my stuff in there. I turn to my sister. I'm like, I don't know what's, go I don't know what's going on here. So, mm -hmm. like, this is really weird. And this guy comes out. 
and he's like, oh, my name's Eric, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I noticed uh, your stuff was already here. How'd you get in here before I did? And he goes, oh, well, the RAs get to move in early. Oh. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Is, is like <laughs> One of your four sweetmates was an RA? I'm like, what? Are you serious? Like, and turn to my sister, close, like, politely. I'm like, oh, that's great news. Good for you. And then, like, that's really cool. Like, close the door to my suite. And I'm like, Steve, what the? Like, this is not okay. Like, this is yeah. not, this isn't the story I had in mind, you know? I'm freaking out in my room. I'm, like, really pissed off. I'm like, I don't want to live with an RA. You know what I mean? That's like, so it's tough because this guy's a grad student, too. Like, he doesn't want to live with a bunch of freshmen. Like, I just, like, yeah. I didn't want to be did part they get, of this. Like, did they get, like, tuition benefits for being an RA? They or, live like, there for free. Okay, they live there for free. So free that's, of housing, yeah. which is a sweet deal. That's like, you know? 10, that's like 10 G's almost. Exactly. And this guy's, you know, being super responsible. You know, he's got a job already yeah. lined up. Good for him. But I'm going into college. Like, we are on total different planes of existence. You know what I mean? Like, so I, you know, I'm freaking out. I literally dip out of the room ASAP, didn't unpack my stuff. My sister's like, yo, like, Finn, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, you can try to request to get another room. In my panic, I lost my keys. <laughs> so I end up having to pay like 150 oh bucks God. to get new On keys. the first day? Within the first 30 minutes of wow. being in this get thing. My, <laughs> yeah. my roommate's an RA. I didn't unpack any of my stuff and wouldn't proceed to unpack any of my yeah. stuff for the next six months. You showed up to Bama and they dunked on you. Bro. I slept on a literally a bare mattress with a blanket. For six months, and I was happy as a clam, to be honest. It was like, yeah. I was just so stoked to be in college and having a good time. Um, but, so, we're doing this thing, and the the crazy part of it is, you know, the RA actually ended up being my best roommate. Of the Of the other three. Of the other three, he ended up being, or of the three, like, roommates I had, he ended up being the best roommate. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was... So, first, don't read... Don't uh, judge a book year. by its cover. Don't judge the, a book by cover. Here? He was he was a really he was a good guy. I mean, I was never really worried about him being a bad guy. I was more just like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be living with someone who's a senior in college while I'm a freshman. Exactly. You know what I mean? And like ready to leave. But it ended up being a really fun year. It, it gave me incentive to never Dude. spend time in my dormitory. So which I, had... I didn't want to be doing that anyways. I wanted to be out and about and meeting people and do, doing that. So was good yeah my experience was rather the opposite i would say because i was lucky i, I basically like my parents only rule for me because i had a couple of close friends of mine from high school go to michigan um my parents only rule was i couldn't live with anybody i knew in high school sure for the same reason bueno wanted to branch out and totally um you know the whole theory was like they would make their own friends i would make my own friends and then like we would have that much many yeah. more people to hang out with right so i go on this facebook finder and end up meeting this one guy, Chase, shout out to Chase, from San Diego and played lacrosse at Torrey Pines. Um, he was a cool dude. And so I basically was telling him, like there's two separate campuses at Michigan, there's Central Campus and North Campus. Okay. And the whole deal is no one wants to be on North Campus, bro. It's like just all the classes you take as a freshman are on Central, so you have to take this 15 minutes bus in back, the cold, back and in forth the freezing cold, yeah. And then in the wintertime, it's just that much more of a pain in the ass. And you have to probably Uber home most nights you go out so sure. it's just like just a pain in the ass and i noticed online that the only only triples on campus were on central so i was like convincing this roommate who we had already made an agreement like let's go find a third guy so we can guarantee to be on central yeah and he was like down and it's cheaper so we're like yeah cool 
So we both go looking for another week and we both come back with the same guy. They're oh, like, oh, awesome. Super cool. This guy's name Mike Kendrick from New Jersey. Really cool dude. So he checks out. Um, he did an internship with Jack Wilson last year at, oh. um, in New York. Very cool. Nice, nice Jack. So um, we had this cool setup and we get there and we get our room assignments and it's like, yo, dude, do you guys see where we're like Chase sends in our group text? Like, do you guys see where we're living? And it's like, I I've never heard of this place. Right. Oh God. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's called Fletcher Hall. It's the smallest, oldest dorm on campus, right? And it's the furthest away from Central that is technically on Central, <laughs> right? There's only three floors, and the other dorms are like sick, brand new, yeah. and like right next to a dining hall. We have to walk like 15 minutes to get to the closest place. So it's practically just as shitty as being on North Campus. In fact, it's probably older and shittier. Like <laughs> it is older, but the good part was, and I moved in also last, but. They had both, they were basically not three rooms, they're only two rooms. They had both moved into the double and left the single for me. So I was like, damn, okay. I'm living in the single, that's cool. Oh. Um, so the single was the first room. Dude, these guys are unreal homies. Yeah, they were really cool about it. The guys left me the first room, which is like the entry room that had one bed in it and like a TV and all the desks. And then they um, got the second room where we had like, we had a sink in our room, which was hype. So we got to like <laughs> brush our teeth and shit. Like we didn't living. have to go like to the random like common area to brush yeah. our teeth at night, which was like yeah. really nice to not have to deal with that kind of awkwardness. Cause totally. we didn't really fuck with anybody who lived lived in our hall uh, for some reason. And it, the place is so shitty that our RA quit like the first day. Like he's like, I will pay you know money to not off, off campus <laughs> rent. I'll pay rent off campus, which like is like kind of a grand in Ann Arbor a month um, to forego living in this shitty place, right? So we actually had no RA supervision on our floor the entire year, Sweet. Uh, which was nice um, in terms of like getting away with being a little rowdy, but it was also like we were just, we still had to live there, so yeah. it was like we kind, of, <laughs> we kind of endured living there. The only time it was good was on game day because it was the first like. The big house is like a 30 minute walk away from like central campus and it's like a big procession down to the big house on game day and then fletcher hall is like kind of on the on oh, the way like sweet. halfway there right so from, you either stop and grab stuff put it back or so yeah basically like we would, we would have homies like crash at our place after game day like yeah. no one wanted to walk all the way back to to where, the, where they were at or Absolutely. what the deal was right so ended up having a you know great great movement man so, i miss college She's so lucky. Wasn't that fun to reminisce yeah. for a hot second? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Especially to you. Know, I, got, I got one more. Especially okay. your freshman year, though, because it's so you like. You got another movement story? No, I got one more year. Oh, one uh, more you year. You got one more year. Right, right. we're going to talk about that. Well, dude, it's just like, it's such an intoxicating feeling being on campus for this first time in independent. Right. And you just think there's a world of possibility yeah. in front of me. You know one more I mean? thing this before we go on from that. So, like, the second we moved in, like, we were trying to, like, shoo our parents away. So, sure. We could go, totally. like, have fun. find our way and have a good day because we were like when we were moving in we're driving past all these darties on hill street right and you're like i want to get and we're like yeah. yo this is about to go down right <laughs> so one one of my one of my I'm good friends, i'm good one of my friend's mom's one of my friend's mom is like it's like yeah. no 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 all right my yeah, roommate's mom from jersey is like hysterical right like crying and shit and he's like yo like it's all good like, <laughs> but by the way it's it's a weekend yeah, right <laughs> and move, move in is on like a thursday and they're staying for the whole weekend so it's not like we're saying bye to them at Forever. that very it's moment like, it was like for today it was like us saying like you guys go off and like 
Uh, and it's funny because they ended up going to like our main bar. Like my dad was just asking a kid on the street, like, yo, what's the best bar here? And they're like, oh, scorekeepers, right? So they go straight there, which is like the best bar in Michigan. Nice. Which is where they ended up. Um, but my one, my they one friend, miss. my one friend's mom was like absolutely hysterical that like she had to like drop him off, and because they were asking like where are you guys going, and I texted Oliver Ambrose and Joe Crowley, like Loyola boys of ours, that were at um, Michigan, and I was like, yo, what's the deal? Like I just like just, moved, got here. just moved in, and Oliver like sends me like straight to the PG house. He like sends us the address seven oh seven, and he's like come through. And so Mike tells his mom we're going to fraternity, right? And she's like, oh, my God. Like, she, like crying even more. Like, I can't believe you guys are going straight to a fraternity. Like, already. Already. Like, my son is. You boys you know, study hard, please. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it was so funny just, like, to watch that happen. Do you remember your first, the feeling you had when you first walked in that house? That you're like, this is awesome. You're Dude, like, walking, this is walking so up cool. to it is a fucking scene. Because, yeah. Because you're like. Like, it's on a hill. Perched up on a hill. Like, the trees are in full bloom, right? And it's just like, damn, dude, it's, it's literally at a state. People that, are out having fun. Awesome. Like your house, yeah. your house too, is just absolutely. Yeah, I remember walking It's hard, actually, house. okay, for, for Michigan reference, his house is at least twice as big as the Fiji house in Michigan. Yeah, it's a crib. And it's massive. It's a beautiful home, dude. And I remember the first time I ever walked into it, you just see all these college kids living in this mansion. And you're like, they're all having so much fun and they're mm. independent and they're doing their own thing. And the I was rooms just like, are like really nice, too. And the rooms are super nice. Everyone's just really outgoing, too. You're like. You're hitting it off with these guys, you know what I mean? You're like, this is awesome. If this is the future of my college career, this, I mean, like, you know I'm what down. I mean? Like, sign me up. Like, first day. Sign me up. First day, like, it was like, sign me up. Yeah, I ain't totally. fucking leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that John Paul. Um, I ain't leaving. Um, and it's funny, because I need to bring this up, because we went to go visit Buena, like, what was that, two months ago now? Uh, oh, first God. First graduation. It was depressing it was that long First ago. graduation, right? And it was like the first thing Finn and I d done since graduation. Since, oh, uh, he didn't, uh, his, <laughs> his girlfriend's graduation. Congratulations, yeah. Claire. Congrats, uh, Claire. <laughs> but we, we were there for you. <laughs> he, basically, I, I text him, I'm like, yo, dude, like, we need to get out of LA, dude. It's, it's everybody's so high strong, we can't leave. There's, at one point, it was illegal to be outside past, like, yeah. da dark. This was, you like... You know, when, like, riding was really bad. This was on the tail end of the, like, peak corona hysteria. Yeah. You it know? Was, it's it was still, when things were it's starting still to very enter. much... People are outside more now, but everybody's got a mask on. They're trying to be safe. But it was really high-strung in L.A. at the time. Plus, like, we, we wanted to get out we of We had Dodge. just been, like, our, our college, like, careers had just been nuked early. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, like... Just getting over the, like, yeah. devastation of not having a graduation or something like that. Of the senior year. We're like, oh, my God, UCSB's having a graduation? Yeah. Let's go. And our homie's still living um, there? Yeah, like... so we shoot it off to Brandon's beach house. And, of course, right as I walk up, the only other time I've ever been to Santa Barbara was visiting my older cousin, Dre. That was when crazy. I was, when I was a sophomore in high school, right? And he had this sick pad on Playa Vista, like, cliff front. And I walk up, and I'm like, man, I see Bueno. I dab him up. I'm like, dude, it's cool to be here. Like, it's wild. Like, the only time I've ever been here was at that house right there, that whatever, that yellow one. And he's like, dude, that's my house. <laughs> and I was like, no way, dude. I visited my cousin here, like, for his graduation, like, six years ago when I was a sophomore in high school. And he's like, I was like, yeah, he lived in, like, the lower left unit. And he's like, I live in the lower left <laughs> unit. So the only two times I've ever been to Santa Barbara, I stayed in the exact same spot where my cousin and Bueno lived six years apart so crazy small world that was so awesome i did not disappoint that was um, such a fun weekend. so that was just a great weekend to let loose and then we came back to our sheltered homes but uh so now we're going to move on bueno as you were explaining earlier you've been a prolific golfer for most of your life 
we want to ask kind of the origins of you playing golf. We know both your parents are really into it. Um, and potentially like when you decided to commit to this sport, like, you know, as you have. Yeah. So my mom and dad both picked up the game when they were uh, in their thirties or whatnot, you know, as they were getting married and continuing. And then they had, they, you know, caught the golf bug as you want to call it or got obsessed with it. And then I was the first born kid. And as soon as I could walk, they stuck a putter and a golf club in my hand. And that was, you know, it kind of felt, you know, and I rolled with it. And then they'd take me to the driving range when I was a little kid. And I'd behave and I'd hit balls and I'd start throwing shit. <laughs> yeah. Throwing the balls out. They're like, right. yo, we pay for those. You're like, no, 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 that's not the game. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, oh, you're two, three years old. And that's I'm how like, Brandon Pozovac plays the game. You're yeah. better than that, right? <laughs> Slicing it 80 yards. Somewhat like behaving myself, putting the ball on the tee, keep hitting, keep going after. My dad tells a funny story. Well, where he'll he'll go get balls, put a, a bucket down of balls, and you know have me start hitting. He'll turn away to stretch, and he'll come back, you know, three minutes later, and I'm sitting there like, do you have any more balls? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. But you just stay whacking them, <laughs> no practice, or just chucking them, exactly. or doing whatever, like. whatever, whatever it was. But you know, it, I I always loved it as a kid. Maybe it's just because there's balls in a stick, and as a kid you're just mm -hmm. you know hanging out. But you're figuring out your hand-eye coordination like with a golf club in hand, right? Up, right. Right. So. Um, that's kind of contrary because some people like throw catch or you know do other things but you're kind of absolutely so i played in my first golf tournament when i was five years old oh my god yeah the lakes at el segundo that's so young um which was cool um were you playing against other five-year-olds i was playing against seven-year-olds hmm. beast <laughs> <laughs> um and then i got older and bigger and i kept kept playing it but my parents um thank god to them you know Put me in a bunch of other sports i played football mm -hmm. that's I, good i love football you're not very good at it though yeah no we every year no. we have a little uh, oh my God. game and okay. this kid is we gotta trash. talk about the cub holiday bowl <laughs> this kid's so absolutely bad. you have a absolutely <laughs> okay bueno talk your talk right now um so i'll let I, you talk right so now i played football as a little kid <laughs> And I played db cornerback bueno island bueno island you don't want to get Shut stuck bueno on bueno island um I, I was the best in the game. I can't believe we're giving <laughs> until, you a platform to say that. Until, no, until I, you know, high school came and I was 5'10", 125 pounds. And you realize how much and, better the other kids were than you? Well, yeah, and I ended up going late, so now I could play, yeah. but, you know, it is. Wayno talks that talk in our group text before the Cup Holiday Bowl. We always have one on Christmas and Thanksgiving, and he's like, don't get stuck on Bueno Island, Joe. You don't, you don't want me. Oh, he talks hilarious. all the talk, which makes it only better when he either. I mean, he gets to be fair, he, does, he is on the winning team most years. So, and then uh, yeah. Teddy Gallagher, friend of ours, he <laughs> actually he actually plays football yeah. at uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so. he plays linebacker, and he actually I think he led the, his team in or his conference in tackles yeah. last year. I didn't know that that's or like, something. Oh, that's Teddy. Um, but he plays in it and. Uh, I call him out every year, and he freaking puts me on my back every year. Yeah, because he's, he's like Teddy's massive. good for at least one pancake every, every year. Yeah, slash it's, one it's, like it's... broken tendon in his hand. Yeah, he actually really got hurt last time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's, Don't that's... come at Bueno Island. Oh, <laughs> because so, he was coming up Bueno Island. So no fly zone. Alright, absolutely. So, so you're, you're playing uh, football you played your first tournament. Kid. So first tournament when I was five and I played football, I played basketball, I played soccer. My sister, she was younger, but she played volleyball. And I loved all these sports. And oh, is she playing in college or uh she did rowing. 
She's doing rowing because uh, okay. the, the scandal at USC, I guess, the rowing team was heavily involved in that, and so they had to vacate the entire team, and so she came in, and they basically sent an e mass email saying, any freshmen want to try out for the rowing team? Okay. Let's do it. My sister yeah. was like, I'll stay fit, and I'll, you know, take the That's a good idea. Yeah, I'll take the really perks Do they go down to the marina, or where do they yeah, go? Yeah, so they go to Long Beach. Uh, wow. Like, far, multiple Whoa. times a week yeah. at, like, 4 a.m. And so we have, you know, as a as a golfer, we have 6.30 a.m. workouts multiple times a week, and I hate waking up for those, so kudos mm -hmm. to my sister. And yeah. the only reason I do it is because I love golf, I love what I'm doing, I, I want to do it for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, and he has a plan for the future, we're exactly. going to talk about that later. But my sister's, like, doing it just to do it, so I'm like, wow, I would never get up that early for anything. All right. Yeah, good looks. So we're going to move on to Loyola. We know Loyola is kind of a golf powerhouse. Um, while we were there, we, we kind of went on a, a run, and you can explain the details of that because I'm sure you know very big. We're going to use the royal we uh, on this because I feel like we, we as in, Maybe I deserve some credit for that. Wayno and his that. teammates, and Finn was on the diving team. I was on <laughs> JV lacrosse <laughs> for a couple years. Um, but without the di the diving team walks, so the golf team can run, basically. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> we, we all lift each other up. Um, but talk about that kind of run you guys went on at Loyola and. Talk about maybe some of your favorite memories of your high school golf experience. Absolutely. So they had won um, CIF, Southern Section, uh, the two years before um, basically our seventh and eighth grade. So I get there as a freshman and they've, you know, gone back to back winning um, CIF, Southern Section. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to make varsity as a freshman, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying along with um, another good friend of mine, Quinn. Shout out to uh, Quinn McGinley, um, who ended up playing golf at Colgate for mm -hmm. four years. Um, and we're, you know, you gotta have him on. That's a chill dude. We're thinking about, we're trying to make varsity, and you know, the rosters are posted, and and him and I didn't make varsity. Instead, uh, coach took, you know, as a senior, you're not allowed to get put on a JV team. So, Coach Gore, um, love him. He's, you know such an instrumental part of my development. But he took a couple guys that spent their three years, practiced a lot, put them on varsity, and rightfully so. And he basically came to Quinn and I, and he said, you guys will play JV matches, and we'll move you up and play some varsity matches. But, you know, this is your place right now. We're a great team. We've won two in a row. And we're looking to win three. <clears throat> and your your time will come. Just keep working hard. So Quinn and I said, all right, cool. Motivated yeah. us more. Um, freshman year, the guys went on and won again. Uh, a bunch of them graduated, and then uh, Quinn and I, it was our turn to step up. Sophomore year, um, CIF Southern Section, um, I actually, I ended up shooting 70, which was... Is that at, even there? Or it was 200, 200. Um, as nice. a sophomore, and it was the low round of anybody in the tournament. No way. Hey, go. Is that a kid? Um, Wait, no, I remember hearing that, actually. So that was cool. It was actually, there was an LA Times article about it and whatnot. <laughs> what? But we went Southern section and, but you know, the job's not really done. So now we've won four years in a row. Um, and that's cool and you get a ring for that and what, and all that stuff, but in the t-shirt. Um, but there's, you know, more things. There's Southern California and then there's state. And we had our eyes set on state because, you know, we had, we had won Southern section multiple years in a row. And who are the competitive schools in the Southern section that we should know? Um, Harvard Westlake is was pretty good. Uh, that's just not a surprise at all. Okay, yeah. that's, on, good. that's on brand They're for pretty, them. Pretty good. Never beat us. All things in sports. all four years, didn't lose a match to Harvard Westlake. Oh, talk, talk. Uh, <laughs> oh, 
Um, cheers. Well, cheers to that. Um, Southern section. Modern day. Modern day was good. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would always so the first, first and second place at Southern section would move on to uh, SoCal's Southern mm -hmm. California, and then sophomore year, um, when I had shot that seventy, we lost at um, SoCal. We at Mission Lakes. It was at Mission Lakes, which is a super windy. Um, if you go to Palm What's, Springs, Palm Springs, it's on the other side of the Temp Freeway, which is Desert Hot Springs, and it's up in the mountains, okay. and where all the where all the windmills are, and it's always blowing thirty or forty. It's up in the hills. It's a complete shit show. Yeah, that's nice. And we were not prepared for it, mm -hmm. and we didn't make it through um, to state, and we were we were pissed about it. Coach was pissed about it, rightfully so, and he he gave a great speech, and he goes, you know, he's pissed. And he goes, guys, you know, I, you got to keep this feeling for next year, right? You know, we've won Southern Section. I don't want to say that's routine. That's a great accomplishment. But, you know, you're good enough to win. You should have won. You did win. And it's the next step. We're not settling for that. And this feeling right here sucks. And it, mm. um, keep this in mind when we're because we're, we're going to be here again next year. We're going to win Southern Section again. We're returning everybody. Um, and that feeling really did stick with all of us. So next year. So you guys were turning everybody. That's a young team. Right. It was cool. So were you? would you consider you and Q leaders on the team at that point as yeah. juniors? At, we were sophomores that year. And then uh, Bryant Falconello is a year older than us. He went on to play golf at Air Force Academy. Mm. Um, quiet guy, but he, he was very, uh, really smart kid and really dedicated to, you know, you can tell sometimes um the kids don't say much are are the ones you gotta you gotta emulate and because mm -hmm. they're they're really focused on what they're doing and they're not here to talk talk trash talk shit you mm -hmm. know say a lot because you know all of their energy is focused on one thing so next year my junior year brian's a senior quinn and i are juniors we win southern section and then we get third in southern california's which was good enough to qualify for state top three in southern california the top three in northern california go to state and we go to the state championships uh is it at like a neutral site or does either norcal or socal host switches every year okay. and that was a norcal site which was actually really cool because it was at poppy hills golf course in uh, monterey california oh sweet so that was a sweet trip we took um how close to pebble beach is that it's it's on the same uh it's on the same property so it's right next to it. It's, yeah, exactly. We Sweet. we warmed up at the Pebble Beach driving range and then drove to like, you know, three minutes down the road to Poppy Hills. Um, and we got third there, and it was, you know, Southern Cal the three Southern California teams got first, second, third, and the three Northern Cal California teams got fourth, fifth, and sixth. And we didn't play our best, um, but it was nice to know third in the state. It was awesome. Yeah, you're in striking range. It was, to the, make farthest, it was yeah. the farthest the team had ever gone, although... We had gone five in a row at that point, you know, Southern <laughs> section uh, championships. And then senior year was a bit of a disappointment. We won Southern section again, um, but we got fourth at state. And so we didn't, or fourth at Southern California's. So we didn't qualify. You missed the top three. Right. So we didn't qualify for state. And that was kind of a salty taste in all of our mouths. But, you know, my experience playing golf for Loyola was incredible. Coach. Gore was an amazing leader. Mm -hmm. um, Coach Schmidt was an amazing character. I like 
Schmidt. The he man, was, yeah. He's a good dude. He was, uh, he kept it very real. You know, a Is lot he of... he a golfer? Um, he wasn't that good. He was more learning to play, but he understood the intellectual side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he understood... I'm sure he'd be a good mental coach. Right, so he was... He was a, a fantastic English teacher, for who doesn't know. He was the head of the English department, and I took his AP class junior year, and we he was one of my favorite teachers in high school for sure so the weird thing about you know when you're in school is you know it's students and teachers and there's this hierarchy and whatnot and coach schmidt had a had an incredible knack to relate mm-hmm. or whatnot and yeah. and get rid of the gap and kind of almost yeah. talk to us at you know on a man-to-man level it's like you know well, this is how we got to play this is how we got to act and this is you know conduct ourselves and then because of that it created a much more comfortable yeah. environment. It's also worth noting that he was like, he grew up as like kind of a co-editor for Thrasher Magazine. That's kind of like how he grew his taste for, for English and, and writing. So he kind of is, and he skates, he still does. So that's like, Gnarly he's a really, really good skater. He's got videos on YouTube. Um, so it's worth noting that that's, he's kind of a, about it in, in talking about him being able to relate to kids in high school. Absolutely. Okay, so now that we've kind of talked about the experience through and through, we wanted to ask you what the recruiting process is like as a somewhat um, noteworthy prospect having put yourself on the map your, was that freshman year when you shot the 70 or sophomore, sophomore year? Um, put yourself on the newspaper. Um, you know, who was, who was looking at you? What was it like? Uh, what's the recruiting process like as a, a somewhat, um, you know, successful golfer in high school? Um, it was it was really interesting. So like any high school player that wants to play in college and is really passionate about what they're doing, it's a it's it's stressful, and you can't talk to you, uh, you know, the rules back then. I don't know if they've changed, but you can't talk or communicate to a coach um, until September first of your junior year. But up until then, you can kind of you know say hi, send them an email, and all they can send back is some generic response or whatnot, and. Um, so you kind of do that, but you know, it was always a, a struggle or a tug and pull of, all right, I played a couple good tournaments. I played, I put up some good scores. Now I'm going to email a guy, Hey, this is, you know, or a coach and Hey, these are the last recent scores I've just played. Or if you know, played in a couple tournaments and you didn't shoot so hot, you're kind of waiting until you catch fire. You yeah. play well, again have something to write about, to reach out. Exactly. Having Does it always to have about. to do with recency bias? Like. Like if you are posting scores that are sporadically throughout the calendar, like, and is that something that raises red, raises red flags or does there have to be consistency in terms of Consistency time? is much better. So um, consistency and a pattern of progression, right? They're looking for guys that are peaking, that are getting better consistently. And, you know, that was what did it for me. I didn't have anything until midway through my, I didn't, I didn't set myself apart or do anything special until midway through my junior year, so basically January, and the that calendar year, so the second half of my junior year, and the first you know part of my senior year. Would would that be considered your season, your your golf season? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or did um, it have to do with the tournaments you were playing outside? So of the season? so school tournaments. I guess you could equate it to like soccer. Or something like that how you play on your school team 
is you know great and all that but it's really your club team mm -hmm. and how you play in club and what club where coaches play, interact the most where coaches you, yeah. are looking and so it's the same thing in golf where you know okay your nine hole high school matches you know you played well and you played well in cif and stuff they're not really you know that's cool that's an additional that's a bonus but what they really um, are looking at our AJJ, American Junior Golf Association, uh, Toyota Tour Cups. And, you know, these are basically established tours uh, for junior golfers. Um, with that, rankings. With of rankings, yeah. exactly. So I was ranked in junior golf scoreboard. I think um, my best ranking was uh, 120 or something like that, which is, you know, across the country, across, I think it's the world. Wow. Or something like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the world of, of junior golfers under that's, 18. That's, that's pretty, pretty sick. That's pretty good. That was that was fun. That was cool. And it was all due to my, you know, the second half of my junior year and the start of my senior year, I played in uh, eight Toyota Tour Cup event or nine Toyota Tour Cup events. And I believe I shot in the 60s in mm -hmm. six out of nine final rounds. Damn. Um, that's clutch. So that was. There you go the consistency kind of looking for and the fact that it was on you know the final rounds instead of the first rounds was so that's when people started really giving they're you like looks. applying pressure and you're consistently shooting well absolutely something. so that's when you know i reached out to a bunch of coaches again and i started getting a lot of feedback and so it sounds like you do a lot of the initiating in golf you Is do common or i feel like in a lot of other sports it's typical that the coach reaches out mm -hmm. to you. So it's like anything, you know, in life. If you if you put an idea in someone's head, right, you gotta be you gotta be aggressive about Marketing it. Marketing you yourself. You don't yeah. wanna be overbearing. And the key for me, I think, you know, I would always I didn't email as much as I would actually pick up the phone and call a coach. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'd call him and say, Hi coach, you know, I'm Brandon Bueno, um ju junior golfer at a Loyola High School out of Los Angeles and um I've would love to you know, be a part of your team, you know, and you talk to them and for a coach, they get a lot of parents, you know, sure. moms, dads, emailing, calling. On behalf of their stuff. kid, yeah. Exactly, and trying to advocate. And what parent doesn't want to say, oh, my kid's the best, my kid's awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure right. all you hear is like, is, there, is that the equivalent of an AAU dad? Like parents emailing <laughs> Absolutely, and that's, and that's everywhere, and it's super apparent among Yo, junior golf talk players. about this. What are golf parents like? Is that like a weird thing? Like, are like are a lot of golf parents like super demanding of their kids on the course? Because hmm. I know with like a lot of like I played club soccer for a while, and it seems like a lot of the times you'd have parents screaming louder than the coach on the sideline. Absolutely. So to the point where their poor kid was just like, "Dad, like, shut up! Shut up. I'm playing. I'm, I know how to play this game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like being super hard on their kids. So what was that dynamic like? So I know a lot of kids that end up you know quitting or not wanting to go through that. Were really good kids. Um, and in Toyota Tour Cups and in these leagues, Toyota Tour Cup, AJJs, on these tours, um, there are no caddies, mm -hmm. aka your parents can't caddy for, me, for you. You're carrying your own bag, and the spectators, basically your parents, because nobody else is really watching junior, you know, hopefully, 16, 17 year olds play golf, um, are walking, you know, it's strict rules. Sometimes there are ropes up. But normally you're walking in the rough. You're not, not supposed to be within 15 feet of the greens and whatnot. You're not supposed to communicate to the spectators if you're a player, aka your parents or family, um, with the exception of um, food or drink. 
you know, hey, if your mom wants to get you a drink, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, with my juice box. Right, be like something like that. Can, like can, can, hey, can you get me a sandwich? Just, you know, that's okay. Um, but, you know, a lot of parents, including, you know, my own, um, at a certain point, you know, if I'm, if you're playing bad, if the kid, the kid's playing bad, you can't, you can't help but, you know, try to say something. So right. I've seen a lot of kids get penalties. So it's not penalized. It is penalized it for is. parents to talk penalties. to you? If, yes. If parents are not allowed to talk to you okay. um, about golf, any advice, or because, you know, a parent could walk. Yeah, it's coaching. Yeah. Or a parent could walk a hole ahead, see, you know, the green, how a bunch of kids miss the putt. You could have the same putt and they'll come up to you and, hey, the kid in front of you missed it. You know, all right, go um, ahead, yeah. right. Okay. You know, or if the pub breaks this much, you know, a lot of things like I that. I didn't think parents would go into that detail. I was talking more in terms of like saying like keep your head down or like something that's just happens kind of a, a lot. Dude, you know. like a lot of these sports though, like the kids are the parents are more competitive than the kids. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're they definitely living vicariously through their. Kids. They want their kids to be the best so bad. Yeah. They'll like. So there was this kid. Here's a crazy story. Is uh, in one of the Toyota Tour Cups. I think it was a championship. Uh, he, uh, this kid was. Um, I think he was Thai, and him and his parents spoke a certain um, dialect mm. that was relatively rare. And again, this is what I understood of the situation. Um, so did he like fly here for this tournament, or? Well, they they live here for like Does the summers live? and whatnot, okay. and and they go back and because this is where the the most exposure is. So no one could translate what they were saying? Right, so they they spoke a dialect that they were pretty confident nobody else that was there on the golf course that was playing or whatever spoke. Let me guess, someone spoke it. (laughs) So someone had someone and you know, the same group, same kid, his mom ended up, you know, understanding it. And so what him and his dad had was he had his balls marked a certain way you always mark your balls so you can distinguish whose ball is whose yeah. and you can find yours and so nobody hits your ball he had all his ball, balls marked a certain way his dad oh, had all of his balls marked the exact same way and had him in a backpack oh. so if his kid and his dad would always be up ahead in the fairway and if his kid would miss the fairway his dad would go searching for it throwing out and if dad can't find it boom but before every tee shot, they would no way the kid would say, you know, hey, I'm playing a number uh, a, a one. What a damn hole. cheater! Or I'm playing a Dude. I'm playing an eight this hole because the number you switch the numbers, you know, God, ever so despicable. often. So some mom, some other uh, another kid's mom, kind of overheard it, overheard it, watched the dad, watched the dad drop a ball, and the kid was disqualified for the tournament and kicked off the tour and not allowed to play anymore. Dude, that's, that's shit like that shooting. happens the all the exact time. same thing happened to Chooch in a tournament he no. lost he lost he got second place to this kid at a tournament that was played i don't know if it's the same circuits that you're talking about i doubt it it's like a city tournament um but they were playing it at balboa and Chooch was like four under in second place and he's like he's kind of like not the kind of guy to like rat on someone in a tournament like that but he's like, yeah, dude, like, this guy was, like, kicking his ball to give himself, like, better lives if he's in the rough or something. Because, like, it's a, it's a municipal golf course, so you could find yourself, like, on a tree root yeah. or something and, like, be really screwed. But, like, dude. given the... Bro, you hit the ball there. Given the... Yeah, it's the, <laughs> given the, limited, the fair way, you won't get a shit Given the ball. limited, yeah. like, scope of, like, people watching... That's what makes the game like, hard. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, dude, I swear I saw this guy kick his ball, like, four or five times. So he goes up and, like, tells the... Uh, 
Judge, yeah. He tells, like, whoever's in charge of the tournament, like, because the guy won, and they did a big, like, hoopla on 18th hole for him. Like, he comes up to him politely afterwards. He's like, yo, like, I don't know what the deal is, but, like, I saw that guy kick his ball around, like, all day long. And I don't think they ended up doing anything about it. Too late at that point. Yeah. So he's just like, he's just like, I don't even know if I, how, how I would have handled the situation being like the hardo that's calling him out on it. Or maybe just asking him directly. I would have read it, bro. I would have, that's not being a hardo. It's like being like, hey, you're cheating. I'm competing I against know. you. I can't, I can't blame him for not doing it because I don't think I would It's very respectable that he didn't, but if you're playing a game, someone's cheating against you. It's like, I'm not here to play mm -hmm. your version of this the, game. The I'm hard part to too like, is that. That happens. I've, uh, I've seen it before, right? I've seen a kid blatantly cheat, but I'm like, dude, this kid is like having a sh shitty Shit round. Yeah. Like, right, right, right. But that's not. not, I'm not matter, I don't feel yeah. pity for him, but you know, I'm. It does nothing five, for you to do. Right, that. I'm five, six strokes ahead of him, but that's, that's mm -hmm. not the way I should think because there are kids that you know are Doing worse maybe than him. tied yeah. with him or worse than him, and that should you know make a that difference. Let me ask you this though: you, if you're tied with this guy. And he's just kicking the ball it's around. Cheating. Are you cheating. about to go be like, hey, Absolutely. this month? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Like Brooks like, Kepko was saying before. that totally. Patrick Reed was building sandcastles in the bunker one night. One night, right? That's one of his famous quotes. <laughs> that was building sandcastles. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, because he saw him ground his club a bunch of times totally. and not get um, called on it. Okay, so you are emailing these coaches because you're and your parents are they? Can you you can admit are they more the a one type where they're doing some emailing too, or are you saying that's your strategy where you call them out of the blue? My parents were very adamant on the fact that you do it. I do yeah. it. Okay. Like they, that's you good. Know, that was kind of yeah, that's good. good. Stuff. I think uh, I want to say they were they trusted me enough where you know, hey, I'm not going to screw it up um, talking to a coach or whatnot, mm -hmm. and, and then the plan of calling one instead of sending emails right makes a difference if you they hear your voice and right. you call them. Yeah, right. It's like personal. Uh, it's right. like calling a girl to go on a date with you instead of texting a girl totally. or snapping yeah. a girl, right? Ask exactly. in person, it's... Exactly. I think it, shows it, shows a of, it shows a level of confidence, you know what I mean? Maturity, all yeah. of things. So, so that's my advice to a lot of, you know, kids, if, if you're looking at this or whatnot, you know, do a lot of the introduction yourself, handle it yourself. You want to look like an independent person. This because, is huge. <laughs> because the kids, you know, the coaches look at it, they, they, know, they know exactly the kids who were sheltered and their parents did a lot for them yeah. and they come to college. And you're no alone. One, no one's caring. You're doing your own shit. Them, yeah. They've seen it fall apart a hundred times, and they've seen the kids that right. get their, you know, can handle it. That's a mar That's a great point. That is such a great that's point. Because you see it, a, not even in sports, kids yeah. that just are too sheltered and fall apart. In so maybe break down some of the schools that you are looking for. Like maybe break down kind of your list of schools in priority, and maybe just how you ended up nurturing your relationship with the UCSB coach. So. Throughout the second semester of my junior year, um, I was in talks with uh, LMU, UCSB, um, UCSD, San Diego, Northwestern, and Washington. And UW? UW, okay. exactly. Um, and it was, you know, some schools offered more money, some schools offered less money. UC San Diego offered the most amount of money. Um, and I went on a visit to San Diego first. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think? Talk to the, the campus is a bunch of wood chips and trees. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, in geometrical buildings that are like really. Have you seen their library? Yeah, really interesting library. Their library is like a, a double pyramid. It's, it's crazy. Just, it's just, like, I didn't really. 
catch the vibe when I visited UCSD. I agree. Is that what you're leading? So to? when I went to UCSD, the coach there was an ex-coach from University of Oklahoma who had won multiple, multiple national championships. Mm. Yeah, they're really good. Not as good as Bama, but pretty good. Right. So that was an appeal, and the coach was very charismatic, and he was really nice, and he seemed super knowledgeable. And as a kid or as a golfer, you're thinking UC San Diego, you're thinking San Diego, you're thinking Torrey Pines Golf Course. The campus is across the street. Across the street from Torrey Pines Golf Course. It is. So I go. I'm on the you know, you know the. Can trip. I ask, how did how did this guy end up at UCSD? Um, I think he said his his wife and family. That's a sweet to spot to, to settle Diego. down, dude. San Diego. It's exactly. a sweet spot to settle down, but if like settle if you're winning natties imagine, every year, imagine like, you're a golf guy and you can post up at Torrey Pines happen? and move your family to California and San Diego, dude. That's a sweet gig. Yeah. Who knows? So that that was his. Maybe he got fired in Oklahoma. Nobody knows. I don't know, at least. Um, so I'm waiting, you know, he's walking me through the tour of the campus and I'm waiting to hear like, where we're gonna play, where we're gonna practice, you know, what's, you know, workouts, you know, what's the schedule? And then we sit down at, you know, the, a coffee shop on campus and he goes, well, so, the, so this is my first year here, the previous coach burnt all the bridges with the local, you know, golf courses. So we won't be able to practice at, or play at Torrey Pines and where I'm hoping that I can amend that relationship. and. You know the closest how place you, we can How go. do you burn that bridge? I don't know. Maybe he was an asshole. Was there any hearsay about how that happened? I didn't inquire more. Have you yeah. ever heard of stuff happening like that to other people? And like, absolutely. I mean, golf is a bunch of. There's a lot of wealth in golf, a lot of money, sure. and a lot of egos. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when there's a lot of egos involved, people's egos get struck very yeah. easily, and they sure. might say things that they regret. That's kind of you know he didn't elaborate on it but the gist was can't play at Torrey Pines I was like shit mm -hmm. and then he goes, half of it <laughs> right I was yeah. like that was pretty much it and then he goes well but, the closest place we can play is you know Carlton Oaks which I played in the past which isn't bad but it's you know 30 minutes away and, and, not Torrey Pines. <laughs> and it's not you know it's not along the water it's not close to campus can't you know walk across the street and go hit balls whenever I want and practice and and get better so and then I went to UCSB a couple weeks later. Um, Coach Lass was um, really cool. And there's a, uh, he does the same tour to every player. And it's, you, you meet him at the visitor center. Then he takes you to his office in the athletic building. You talk there for like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then he takes you down to the gym at the exact time where the girls' soccer team is work, working out. <laughs> Every Dude, time. And he, he gets walks, you. He gets you, and he, and he, and he, you know, he walks you in, so this is welcome to the trainers, and you're sitting there going, holy shit. And then <laughs> you, walk into the, uh, you walk into the training room, you meet the trainers, and there's, you know, a bunch of other cool people sitting there, and you're like, this is awesome. And then he's like, you know, so, so this is where, this is where we work out and this is our facilities. And I was like, okay, this is sweet. And he was like, you know, see what, you want to see the rest of the campus or you want to go, you know, see uh sandpiper. And I was like, I don't care to see the rest of the campus. You know, is that the course you guys play? Good, right. So sandpiper is our home course, which is about two miles down the ocean. If you don't know anything about UC Santa Barbara, it is on the ocean. Very nice. Yeah. Let me cliffs. explain something real quick. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So Breakdown we, we go to visit Reno's <laughs> place. And we pull up to a street called Del Playa. Yep. DP, right? And DP. this is where it is a 
phenomena. It's a college paradise. The market shouldn't allow this to occur, mm -hmm. but it does. A bunch of college kids live on the beach, dude, mm -hmm. in the most gorgeous place on the planet. Yeah. And, they occupy, like, And I probably, mean on the beach. It is a gorgeous beachside. It's probably, like, three or four miles of real estate. Strictly college kids on both sides of the street. Just basically living in beach houses. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty epic. Sorry, I had to, I had to lay that out. It's, it's, it's so, so bro. cool. It's just unbelievable. Mink and I, like, kept looking at each other. We had great college experiences. Yeah. You know, big state school. We're like, what cool did stuff. we do, bro? And it's the only school that's ever made both of us second guess, like, where we went to school. Yeah, you know? it's just like, like mm. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. You gotta, you gotta so you're stuff. at Sandpiper. So so we go to Sandpiper, and we walk around, and, you know, it's 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 like uh, Pebble. It's a poor man's Pebble Beach, basically. It's on the ocean, on the cliffs. Um, great weather all year round. And in the back of my head, I was like, because this was in November. Yeah. And it's raining and freezing Windy. in Washington. And it's snowing in Northwestern, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting here. It's, you know, 60 degrees. I got a sweater on. and Could wear shorts if you there's wanted a, there's to. A, there's <laughs> a sweet sunset right in front of me. This course is awesome. Um, and he was like, all right, so now I'm going to hand you off to one of the guys on the team. He's a freshman at the time. His name was Nick Swanson. Um, one year older than me, and he's gonna take you, uh, and he's you're basically just gonna live with him for the next two days. You know, he's gonna take you to his room, his dorm, and this guy's this guy's shine. a clever guy. Like, he's got it down. He knows how to recruit. So what's he, the conversion rate on this visit, bro? I, I it has to be so high. High, so high. Oh, I, I bet. I bet. <laughs> it worked on you. It was immediate. It was an immediate dude. Facilities. Obviously, you walk into the gym, and then you go to the golf course, and you go. I get to do this for four years. I get to mm -hmm. play golf on the ocean for free. For I'm four sure your years, next two days around. weren't too shabby either. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> Nick picks me up. We go to the dining commons. And, you know, you look at the dining commons, pretty cool. As a junior in high school, you're like, wow, this is awesome. There's a bunch of cute That's girls, so there's a bunch yeah. of dudes, there's a bunch of food, right? Unlimited food. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That was a crazy <laughs> concept as a high school kid. <laughs> right? You're like, I can eat. As, as much as I want. want. You guys want to cut me off? <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was awesome. And the whole team, you know, we all went to Dime all uh, sat at the same, you know, put a bunch of tables together. It was really fun. Went back to the dorm, showered, whatever, and then went out because, you know, did the visit on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, as Coach smartly planned out. And, oh, a nice little weekend trip. Right, Good exactly. And, yeah. You know, That's I nice. had... Um, to the it's golf house in Isla Santa Vista. Barbara suck. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so bad. So dude. not fun. <laughs> and you know, I ended up getting back to the dorm room three a.m. Waking up, going to the back to the dining commons for the breakfast is really good. That's the best part of the really? dining commons at UCSB. Hit me with least. it. What do we got? Uh, it's fire hash browns. Damn. Um, eggs are yeah. fine. At Michigan, they had a dope, like, breakfast sandwich station where they would, like, you could pick Yo. it up. Like, I want it on a croissant. No. on, uh, like, different no. types of food. that's so good. Bacon, sausage, eggs. Alabama's cheese. food was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> garbage. Talk bro. about, talk about Fried Friday for a second. Oh, Fried Friday is not garbage. Dude, so, it was garbage, bro. <laughs> dude, that hurt. That really hurt you said uh, that. Okay. So, certain, certain people. Did you go to Friday. sorority? Uh, I went to... Tommy's, but it was Tommy's fraternity. That's a fraternity. Yeah. The fraternities have trash fried fried. So basically, uh, if you're in Greek life, you don't need to buy into the university meal plan because your fraternity has food and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The sorority. So every Friday, there's this thing called Fried Friday, 
and everyone goes out Thursday, so it's like really nice to get you know fried food the next morning, and it's just like grits, fried chicken, chicken wings, mash uh, like mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, uh, fried okra. Uh, which is a every Friday. Dude. It's Friday. It's Friday stuff. <laughs> like, fried Oreos if you're good. That can get away from you quick if you're eating that kind of shit. Every it Friday. does get away from people quick. But the university food at Alabama is disgusting. Mm. Like literally, all there is to eat is pizza that is like edible. So you just it's it's so gross. It's gnarly. So so what we got for breakfast? So the brunch is the hash browns were the best part. You just devour potatoes for days and then. Uh, uh, pancakes, the eggs were fine, you know, standard scrambled egg, chocolate milk, mm-hmm. gas. Dude, I remember being so stoked that there was as much chocolate milk as you wanted. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody gets so into chocolate milk. Yes. That, that's where the freshman 15 lives in Michigan, the chocolate milk stand. <laughs> Dude, especially because there's some like hearty chocolate milk yeah. that are more like milkshakes than chocolate milk. It's whole like, milk. It's yeah, whole exactly. chocolate milk. In the Midwest, they serve whole milk. <laughs> no, that's like <laughs> chocolate half and half, bro. Like, it is yeah. thick. Like, my like, buddy would have a whole glass of whole regular milk and a glass of whole <laughs> chocolate milk every morning. That's just so And it was just like, woof, man. That's pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so you wake up the next morning, you're in the dining hall. You're, you're, so you're so making. it's brunch, so it's open from, I think it opens at 11, and then it goes to 2, and everybody's there. You know, most kids are hungover and, you know, looking like shit, and, but it's fun. And then, then we're like, all right, let's go play 18 holes at Sandpiper on the beach. And that was your first time playing it? Yeah. So oh, no, fun. that wasn't my first time playing it, but... Were you was, nervous? Abs- uh, Were you like, dude? What if I just have my? Because you're on your, you're still on your visit. I'm still on my. You're visit, like, what right? if I just have my worst round ever? Yeah. And I'm in front. Have you ever seen someone go like super low the first time they play? Like that would be so sick. Yeah, the that was. Uh, I think I played with Zach. Zach Smith. Right now, he's killing it playing pro golf. He just won the Arizona, uh, the Scottsdale Open. Um, no way. He beat Joel Damon, who's yeah, uh, I know. He did. He, he was, was on subpar. He's on the PGA Tour and. Mm-hmm. He got, I think he got top 10 in the PGA Championship. Yeah, he week. did. He played really well. Um, but Zach shot, I think, you know, 67, you know, when we went out and played. And I was like, this is, that's a round of golf out there, Sandpiper, when it's cold and windy. But it was still amazing and it was fun. And we do the same thing go back, eat dinner, you know, and go out again. And, you know, I wake up in the morning, Sunday morning, my mom comes to pick me up and I'm like, this is it. I'm, this is where I'm going. Yeah. I'm absolutely. I'm not leaving. I don't want to go back to high school. <laughs> I'm not, don't take me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, going back to high school after you, after you visit, go on your visit is probably so depressing. Don't dude. forget, you have your AP test coming up. You're like, right. no, nah, <laughs> I don't. Um, this is it. Leave me here. <laughs> I'll send for myself. That was your junior year? That was the, uh, yeah. So that was my junior year. So I, so I committed. So did you visit UCSB at all throughout your senior year before you ended up going there? Um, I went up a couple times um, to play tournaments around the oh, area okay. strategically just so I could you know hey coach come out and watch me you know just to continue to develop some sort of rapport with the coach before I went into to school that's cool um so that was it was a great process I got you know uh I was blessed that I was able to you know coach gave me a chance and that he you know committed to me and I everybody ends up where they're destined to be and that was it for me that was you know you end up where you should be and and you know beach kid beach town mm-hmm. golf and then not to mention the it totally fits you bro it's like absolutely perfect fit for bueno to go yeah to dude it's yeah it is the perfect and especially once once we what you know 
got so many years later got to go visit you a couple months ago like your your spot was just perfect you know like i couldn't imagine any other spot for you to go to school that where you would have fit it more you know totally all right so i just have to <laughs> talk about Briefly, this yeah. hilarious hilarious story so it was like midway through sophomore or junior year of college i can't remember um and i was in the library about to start a brutal session during midterms right and this will will be cued in on what i'm talking about in a second right and everybody like just starts on their phone for a sec i was up scrolling through instagram just like like trying to poke trying to procrastinate even more when you're sitting in the library and i see this video on tfm and i think it's hilarious this kid gets super pissed at his computer when it's frozen in the library and snaps it over his leg. Like, absolutely snaps it and then throws it on the ground. Dude, does and it, runs out does of the it snap? I don't think you snapped it over your leg. You, like, banged it on the desk first, didn't you? And then snapped it. You were like, bang, bang! Like, and this is a desk with, it's like, it's like it's a, a big, a big table. table, right? There's a bunch of people at the table. And you just hear this kid, and he's like, oh, fuck! It just, yeah. like, starts, like, digging, and then just takes it up, picks it up. Absolute rage. And just starts in the middle of the midterms and it was like exactly how i felt right like it just it just perfectly matched my mood right and i'm like damn i took a second watch on the video i'm like that looks second? so yeah. much like my friend bueno like what the hell and sure enough i checked the comments he had been tagged like 10 times already yeah. at bueno can't put i don't is it is that still it uh it's not it i lost a bet so uh it's not lost my it. handle anymore he's not, okay it was at <laughs> bueno can't put on instagram at the time <laughs> Um, you can talk about what your real Instagram is a little later, but if you can, yeah. <laughs> please, please share the story of where you cultivated this hilarious video and what ended up happening with it afterwards. So, um, I go back, this is sophomore year and it was, yeah. it was, uh, sophomore year. spring finals actually. Yeah. It wasn't oh, finals. Okay. It was finals in, uh, you know, May, June area. And I had gone back uh, a couple months earlier for spring break to, my mom was like, hey, you need to clean out your closet. I was like, all right. So I clean out my closet and I find my old computer from like seventh grade to freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And it, it like had completely burnt out. Yeah. You know, I had right. too much stuff on it. It was, it was completely broken. Right. It's so it, it didn't work. It did not function, but yeah. the computer was still intact. It was right. just internal. It didn't work at all. And I go to my mom. And I was like, hey, you know, are you still going to try to, because I remember one time she had like some files on there that she wanted to, you know, maybe try to get back or Mm -hmm. save. And I was like, hey, do you still want to, you know, you still want this thing or do I get rid of it? It's been sitting in my closet for years. And she was like, nah, screw it. And I had this thought and I was like, you know, maybe I'll just take it back. And, you know, everybody's wanted to like smash their laptop or chuck their phone or, you know, punch the TV. It's fun to break stuff. Right? Ignit with devices. So, you know, I live, um, um, Do the things your parents told you you couldn't, like. There's part, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna take this back and pretend like I'm at at a party. I pretend I'm like doing homework and I'm just gonna chuck it at a wall or something. And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna do something stupid with this, right? And I so I take it back to school with me. Spring quarter starts. We're in the quarter system at UC Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And I throw it in the back of my closet. And I forget about it. And finals week comes around and I was looking for some piece of... Some... Textbook that you're going to start reading? Some, no, no. I didn't buy, <laughs> I I buy textbooks. <laughs> um, some, uh, some piece of clothes or some shit. In the, I'm digging in the back of my closet. And I find this thing. And I go, man, I forgot about this. I pull it out and kids I'm living with, they're, you know, I was like, hey, you know, 
what should we do with this? Like, do I throw this away? Some kid goes, dude, it's finals week. Do, you know, go to the library and just like pretend like you have a meltdown or a panic attack or something. So we go, it's a great idea. So this was Sunday. So fast forward, you know, so we were like, all right, let's start planning this. We're gonna do it Tuesday, Tuesday night. Davidson Library at UCSB packed during finals week. All right. Absolutely packed. At, you know, <laughs> can't find a seat. You can't There's find like a seat. No empty seats. Nowhere. Fourth floor of the library is where the, all the quiet zone. Is it the same thing where the you get more quiet as you go up? Right. That's how it is in Michigan. Fourth floor was there were eight floors to this library. Mm -hmm. The Jeez. fourth floor was the last floor be, before it became the quiet floors. The quiet yeah. floor started at five. So four and there was this big kind of open area and bookshelves and this is where all the uh, um, Greek life kids and. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of kids that you There's know a lot of chatter knew, going on right a lot of chatter a lot of everybody kind of knows each other mm -hmm. sort of deal you know if you want to social studying probably. social studying exactly so you know a lot of people i don't want to go to the fourth floor you know can't focus there or i'll see someone i know right. or you know something like that yeah. so i'm like we're gonna fucking go in the heart of the fourth floor <laughs> we're gonna get a table right in the middle and we go because it's packed so we go at 2 p.m on a Tuesday for to and we walk around and wait for a table to open up the one we want for like an hour and a half we finally get it and <laughs> well, if you're doing all of this instead of studying right exactly <laughs> and this that's the best part of the story is you know this took up like three days of finals <laughs> week that we didn't do jack shit of studying for <laughs> we're in the library we got computers up but we're not studying at all um and we're, you know, so we're there at two. We're planning on doing this at like seven when, when it gets dark and more people are in there, you know, the whole thing. And we've got uh, four camera angles. Um, you know, my friend Harry Jenkins, who his was an actual video, um, if you find it. And he's he's got it. You know, he's in like a little cubby off to the Did side. Did I get the account right? Was it TFM or was yeah, it? Yeah, TFM okay. was the first to post it. Okay. Do you have the video saved? I do have the video saved. Yeah, please send it's it to us. It's actually on We're going to intro this too. thing with it's his It's on video. his Instagram. That's cool. Uh, Can we intro this video with that video? Oh, oh, oh that would be so sick. We'll do that. Let's we'll do, do it. That. Let's do it. So, so Harry's video is the one you guys will actually see. And he's like sitting in a cubby. And I'm, so for like a whole 15 minutes, because I'm warming up the crowd, right? <laughs> And Dude, for this is minutes, I'm getting up, I'm like pacing around the library, everybody kind of starts looking at this kid's tweaking, right? And They're I'm like, bro, what is this kid's deal? My friend Jack is sitting at the table across from me, and he does a great job acting too, and we're sitting there, and he's he's like, come on, dude, relax, and we keep trying to... He's like trying to explain something to me or whatnot. And how long are you guys interacting? About 15 minutes. I, mean, like 15 I love minutes, how like, much you bought it. Yes. Absolutely. If you're going to do something, you got to, it's, it's full billboard. Absolutely. 100%. Like people were on notice that something. People were looking around. Like, people were looking around. Like, it's a bad day. We need an audience for this, right? We need a reaction. Um, and so finally I'm sitting there, you know, I start hitting the enter button, right? Of course, my computer. So I originally had my actual computer, which made, and then I kind of switched it out for the other one. And then I start hitting the enter button, you know, you know, and I start smashing it and I'm going, dude, you know, you know, what the fuck, you know, and like my computer's not turning on <laughs> and I'm just, you know, losing it and I start hitting it and I look up and I go, you know, fuck, I smack the computer on the table and Jack does a great job of going, right, <laughs> you know, what the fuck is going yeah. on, smack the computer on the table, 
take it, put it over my leg, boom, throw it, and say, you know, I'm done with this shit. I'm not showing up for the final. I grab my backpack and I take off, right? I really wanted to throw the backpack at like the, or my, the, the laptop at like the bookcase and like fling it. <laughs> but there were some, you know, there were people next to you. There didn't were kids. I didn't want, yeah. I didn't want, you I didn't want to get actual trouble yeah, for this thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, you know, on the floor, I'm out of there. Dead silence. Dead silence. Everybody's looking because I yelled. And. <laughs> Bueno projects pretty loud. If you so don't know. Jack is Jack, my friend Jack is right on the other side of the table, and he's kind of you know sitting there acting like you know Sheepish, yeah. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> so um, yeah. these uh, these kids, uh, I think they some uh, like computer science kids happen to be sitting across from us, and they end up like trying to put the computer back together, right? <laughs> so they're sitting here. So there's a group of people trying to put the computer back together. No, and then way. finally Jack says after like. 15 minutes of silence someone ends up coming up to him it's like hey you know do you know that kid and jack's like no nah, man i met him in our uh uh physics class in our <laughs> physics section and um should i like go check on him you know i don't really know him you know i have his not like i have his number or whatnot and yeah. they're all like man i don't you know i don't know and the Damn. best part so harry takes the the video because that was the best angle and we put it on the UCSB free and for sale page is that like on Facebook yeah on Facebook okay Facebook kind of just the UCSB community page yeah basically and then we're sitting there so we all everybody leaves all the guys leave and we're sitting there at, at home and we're just watching the comments stroll through for <laughs> hours and hours and you know I kind of felt bad for a little bit because there are a lot of people saying you know man this kid probably had a hard time why are you guys making fun of him oh. you know you know hey, at least people stuck up for you right bro. mental health is a real thing there's not enough yeah. mental health for you know people at college campuses you know professors shouldn't make it so demanding and i'm sitting there like uh, those people are too good for you boy that sounds like <laughs> they're too good for you uh, did i just you know, open a box that I probably shouldn't have, but then a lot of people mm -hmm. were like, "Oh, his dad's just gonna buy him a new laptop," or, you know, yeah. you know, it was funny. It was it was good scrolling. You, were you catching college. looks from people at school? So here's for the best. One. So the next, so the next, so then the UCSB Barstool page posts it that night. You know, relatively after, a couple hours after, and the next morning, wake up, get a bunch of texts on TFM, right, and then. Uh, it's on like other local news, like uh, I had a or local Barstool page, like LMU Barstool that morning too had it. And I got a couple texts from friends that go to LMU. They were like, yo, is this you? Um, Barstool Sports also ended up posting it. Um, and I go to- He's so proud of this, dude. So Wednesday, so Wednesday morning, the next morning, I go to, I go to study at uh, Kaje with a friend of mine, which is like the little uh, uh, bougie, Cafe mm. in Isla Vista, uh, right? And so we're sitting there, and I'm getting some looks, right? I remember, I remember some people, and I'm walking down the street, and people, and, I'm, and I purposely put on the same shirt, put my hat on backwards again. You are, so yeah. I, you are such a piece of work. Right 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 so I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down the street. I'm walking through, you know, and people are going, you know, 
you know, give me some looks. Definitely turning heads. You should so. look hag like you should look haggard, right? You should. I was, like, I was, I was, I was like head down, you know, <laughs> like, like walking down. Oh, the you're like, like, like all pissed and stuff. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was absurd. What if you just hung out at like the Apple Store and like we're just berating an Apple person? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just took it a little further. Part two. So, yo, I just saw him at the Apple He's, Store. He's, like, slamming the enter button. He's like, look, this one doesn't work either. Like, yo, that would be so funny. So the best part about all of this is over the next year, um, I got people at parties or in class, and they'd come up to me like, are you the laptop guy? It was just, it was just Are you a phone guy. kid? Like, are you the laptop phone guy? Kid. I'm like, I don't work at fucking Metro PCA. <laughs> like, and they're like, no, like from the video in the library. Branded <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm Yo, like, dude. I'm like, so you had to just tell like, the campus one by one that that was just a whole thing. Right. A bunch of people. So dude, he had to tell me this. Honestly, he that was, he had to put up an Oscar performance. I'm not kidding yeah. you. Jack did the best part to sell it. Yeah, friend across. It was so real that Bueno was like, "No, that was staged." And I was like, "Bueno, you can't feed me that mm. BS line that you didn't act." I thought he actually freaked Dude, out. Like that was absolutely. awesome. So the the wor best slash worst part about this is fast forward uh, six months, and I meet uh, who's my girlfriend now, Claire Grimes, and she uh, invites me to her sorority date party, and you know this is like the third or fourth time we've hung out or whatnot she invites me and i go and you know then afterwards you know she texts me like three days later and she goes she goes like three or four girls came up to me saying you brought the laptop guy to date party and she goes <laughs> you brought is, the laptop she guy. goes what does that mean <laughs> and i go oh man no. is, this a, is this a bad thing am i did i screw this is up this toast? Yeah. right is this is this hosed and i was like no i mean there's this video I did last year. I don't know, you know. I was like, I don't Most know. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how you didn't see it. But uh, you know, I don't know if you saw it or not. It's kind of a big deal, but yeah. right. And then I show it to her, and she goes, "Oh my God, that's what they're talking about." And I'm like, Yeah, I don't, you know. It is. It was six months ago, it but apparently, uh, you know. But I had, you know, it's kind of an afterthought at that point. She was like, "Yeah, a bunch of girls came up to you. You brought the laptop guy," and I'm like, mm. "Fuck." <laughs> But it all worked out. It's a hilarious video. We'll uh, post it for you guys to We're gonna see. Put, it's, it's genuinely hilarious. It's going to be an intro. You've most likely already seen it. Oh, the best part about this uh, was over that summer, uh, Ridiculousness on MTV. Yeah, Rob um, Deerdeck's show. Yeah, ended up contacting my friend Harry because he was the one who actually initially filmed the video. And they go, hey, man, is this your video? We want, we want to put it on our show so they can roast it, basically. Um, we'd like the rights to your video. Would you mind releasing us the rights? And he was like, hey, it wasn't me, but I'll just give you the guy's email. Who it was, so he gives him my email, and I get this email from, you know, MTV Ridiculousness, you know, producer or whatnot. He's like, hey, we want the rights to your show, or to your to your video, so we can put it on our show or whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, sure, you know. And they were like, we'll compensate you. Can you give me money? Yeah. Right, they go, they go, we'll compensate you and whatnot. And I go, okay, you know, cool, yeah, I don't, I don't care. And so they gave me like 300 bucks. So, hey, that's awesome. That's a nice. win. Totally you got win. paid. And then it was on, I don't remember the episode or whatnot. And um, the funny part was, so they roast it. It was like, it wasn't very long. It was like 15 seconds. And I think it was uh, second Hannibal. He was on the Eric Andre show. Okay. Yeah, Hannibal, Hannibal Burst. Hannibal Burst is right. hilarious. So he was, uh, he was on it and he goes, 
you know, his reaction, he goes, man, how's he going to watch porn when he gets home? <laughs> and that was it. So you got arrested. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple more things, but that was fun. All right, moving back into the golf world. Mm-hmm. You cool if I talk about Colin? Do it. So we couldn't talk about golf without talking about kind of a, I, I feel like for our age, like a local LA kind of like homegrown legend, superstar right now, you yes. know? Colin Morikawa just won the PGA Championship last week, mm-hmm. right? It was last week. Yep. Um, last week. What, put up 64? On was Sunday. Absolutely. 65-64, Saturday, Sunday. Epic scores. Absolutely um, epic. He's a Cal product. Shout out to the UC Berkeley crew. Harding? Huh? Is that at Harding? Yeah, TPC Harding Park. TPC Harding Park. And he went to uh, La Cunada High School. Yeah. So we were wondering if you're at all familiar with Colin, uh, having come up in the same LA golf scene, were you playing Did with you guys him in play out much? I know they were kind of a golf super. They were pretty good, right? We didn't play them in high school matches because we were in separate leagues. Um, but we did have a couple high school tournaments, you know, through high school. The most notably one was the Champions Invitational, and I was a sophomore, and Colin's a year older, and uh, Ricky Fowler. I don't know if you guys follow golf. You know who that is. He had previously ten years, eight ten years go set the record the scoring record for this tournament mm-hmm. and this tournament is in uh, uh, Palm Desert at Terra Lago Golf Course where they used to have a skins game for guys on tour um, Tiger played in it and whatnot so it's a good golf course mm-hmm. um, Colin goes out and shoots uh, 61 the first round and everybody's sitting there you know the next closest mm-hmm. guy is 69 I'm in with like a 73 and everybody's looking at each other like holy yeah. shit this kid just shot a 61 and then he goes yeah. up and backs it up with I think 64 66 um, and he broke I don't I don't quote me on the, the the second two numbers but he breaks Ricky's record and wins by you know a landslide and everybody's yeah. like that was unbelievable golf mm-hmm. that was incredible and you know nobody was getting that was close a junior year of high school that was my sophomore year, so I so think he was a junior. Wow. Um, and so he's been a beast for a very long, long time. Long time, long time. So did he put the whole L.A. golf scene on notice in that tournament specifically, or has he been doing that pretty consistently? Or was that just your first um, interaction? That was my first That was my first eye-opening experience. Obviously, you know, I'd heard the name. I'd met him before. And, you know, you meet a lot of kids. You talk to a lot of kids. Everybody's good. You know, everybody claims to be really good. You hear a lot of names. But to play the same golf course he did and you know for him to kick everybody's ass like that was Mm -hmm. something where you you know and then he did it against the best players in the world last week so props to him man unbelievable absolute beast yeah that was that's pretty epic Um, super nice kid yeah yeah so you have any like so you have a personal interaction with him right yeah so i played a couple uh nine hole rounds you know after school with him in high school out at brookside um that's where the the rose bowl is for people who aren't from california and, you know, laughs a lot. You know, you'd think for a guy that good, they take it seriously and they take it very seriously. But, you know, there's a there's a balance between always being focused and taking it super seriously and going in and out of focus. And yeah. he's hanging out, laughing, having fun. You know, really nice guy. Genuinely. He seemed to carry wonderful. that same mental attitude on Sunday in a major when he was in contention too, which shows major stones on his part. Totally. Absolutely. Um, all right. So now that we've talked about Colin, I want to ask you a little bit about this recent mishap that happened at the uh, U.S. Amateur Tournament that's actually still going on right now. 
um, because for those who don't know, there's two different types of golf. There's stroke play and match play. And can you just briefly break down what, what's the difference between the two? So stroke play is uh, your typical understanding of golf. So, you know, uh, on any given hole, it's I will take four or five shots for me to take it from the tee to the hole. And you add those up over the whole amount of round versus fins. Uh, now we're in, maybe yeah. I shoot 75. And, and fin, fin shoots, shoots like 140. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fin shoots 82. Okay. <laughs> Um, appreciate if you. it was 75, 82, <laughs> I appreciate you. Buddy. I would end up beating Finn by seven. Okay. And it's the total number of strokes you take match plays differently. It's every individual hole is what makes up the total match. So, um, on the first hole, I might make a four and Finn would make a six, but I only won that hole. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm one up. It's on a hole by hole. hole by right. So, um, on the next hole, Finn might make a three and I make a seven. Mm -hmm. He, it's the match is back to all square. Yeah. I won the first hole, he won the second hole. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, the first hole I won by yeah, two You basically strokes. don't need to worry about yeah. bad holes ruining exactly. your match. Correct. So what's interesting with match play is there are different strategies to playing. Stroke play is, mu is, is more of a conservative strategy because you want to be weary of the large mm -hmm. numbers because yeah. they may hurt you. And if you play a great round of golf and then you have a seven or an eight in there, three, four over par, you end up hurting yourself, you know, long three run, or four yeah. strokes in the long run um, versus in match play when you're not worried about the total score, only about worrying if this hole, you may take more of an aggressive approach um, and take, uh, you know, not as conservative, you know, mm -hmm. balls to the wall, I got to win this hole. And if you hit in the water, if you hit it out of bounds, if you do something, you only lose right. one hole, you right. know, one down, it's not... And and I imagine in, in in stroke play you can let your game get away from you because if you're out of the tournament, you're out of the tournament. You're just like your mental game's totally off. But in match play, you can be in it at any given moment. So you have to keep your game a one throughout the whole day. Is, yeah. it, is the mental game a lot more challenging in match play than stroke play? Ma match play is huge because stroke play. There's a saying of you know play against old man par, which is par for the golf course, and mm -hmm. and you're basically playing this the best round you can play. And you don't worry about what everybody else shoots and whatnot. And if you play your best round of golf, you know, believe that you'll be towards the top of the leaderboard. You'll beat most of the guys, right? You don't worry about what they're doing. In match play, you're playing against your opponent. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's all that matters. All you have to do is beat one guy. Exactly. So beating a field of guys. So technically, the guy who makes it to the end is not necessarily the best guy. Mm -hmm. May have not shot the lowest total score, yeah. mm -hmm. but beat his opponent. There may be time. better golfers out there, right. but he would... So it's really interesting. It recently, and that's how this re this U.S. Amateur Tournament, who you know Jack Nicklaus, um, Bryson DeChambeau, Tiger Woods won multiple times. All the legends have won it. Um, so it's coming down to the wire now, and they're in the quarterfinals. And correct me if I'm wrong. They have how many how many people enter into the tournament every year? Oof, uh, I believe 64 make match play, so 128. Okay, 128 total. So this guy in the quarterfinals, there's eight people left. And there's this one guy from Argentina, and at this point, he's the only international player left in the tournament. And so he flew here from Argentina. It's being played in Bend, Oregon at the Bandon Dunes Golf Course, uh, a very famous um, golf course in the U.S. So they assigned him a caddy. The USGA, um, he can't afford to bring his caddy out from Argentina. The USGA assigns him a caddy there, and they are tied on hole 18, right? And he's in a bunker sitting two. And all he has to do is pitch the ball in, 
up and basically go up and down and he can either tie or win. So he's very much in contention, all tied on the 18th hole. And his caddy steps into the bunker and like swishes the sand around in his uh, with his hand like that, which is super illegal, super illegal. Especially to do it right next to your ball. Um, it's right. like he did this like... Because um, at, <laughs> at that course specifically, it's super windy and the consistency of the sand was, wasn't well known. But um, any real golfer knows that the only two rules about a sandbox is you can't touch the sand with anything but your feet uh, until you strike the ball. So if you put your club down in the sand, that's a penalty. Um, your hands obviously as well, because you're not allowed to test the consistency of the sand. All you can do is just move your feet around, right? Yeah, so so bunkers, sand traps, basically anywhere where you see sand on the golf course, um, it's technically considered a hazard. Mm. And uh, there there's layers of sand, and your ball might be resting it, and bunkers in different parts of the country and, and in different parts of the golf course may have more sand in them or less sand. And depending on how much sand is underneath your ball, um, changes how you would play that shot, yeah. how steep you would come exactly. into it, how much sand you would take, how far behind the ball you would right. play, um, all of those things. And that's crucial to understand. So, you know, you're taught as a good player, you get in there and because you can only test the sand with your feet. So you really dig your feet in and you shake your feet in the ground and you can feel how much sand is underneath. And you hope that, you know, your feet and the ball are maybe two feet away from each other that it's where the ball is, well, the consi consistency. Yeah. The consistency of the sand underneath the ball is somewhat similar right. to where you place your feet. But that's not the only weak legal way to test the sand. Absolutely, the not always the case. So his caddy goes in, I guess, thinks nobody's watching, kind of goes up to the guy's but ball. But there are cameras all on this golf course for this tournament. Like this is the, biggest, this is the biggest amateur yeah. tournament of the year. And he basically tests the sand with his, with his hand to see, you know, to tell uh, his player, hey, you know, there's a lot of sand or there's not that much sand under there, which would affect how he plays a shot. But, you know, clearly illegal, you know, blatantly caught on TV, and it's an automatic loss of hole. And mm -hmm. in a tournament, you, you know, it's up to the committee that you might even be disqualified in a stroke play event. Um, it ends up being the last hole of the tournament, or the last hole of his match, and they were tied. So automatic loss of hole, loses the match, go back to Argentina, you know, thanks for playing. Awful. And, Brutal. And the kid didn't do anything himself. He didn't do anything himself, and but it's it, not his caddy. The caddy was assigned to him, it's too. Like, and the caddy, dude, the caddy was lying his ass off, too, during it. It was so sad to watch, bro. He, he had fucked up so bad, and he was lying his ass off, dude. And, like, the other crazy, caddy, dude. the other caddy, like, the, was the guy's dad, and he was standing right next to him, and he's like, dude, I... He's, yeah. he's in the ref's ear. He's like, I watched him. I saw it. Like, look at the mark right there. There's a swish in the sand mark. Like, undeniable. And they had him on camera. So obvious. Um, so we wanted to ask, that that I would consider a caddying nightmare. What, in your experience, what's the worst caddy nightmare you've ever experienced? That's caddy or, nightmare fuel right there. Uh, That's what gives caddy yeah, nightmares. <laughs> for, my brother's a caddy at Lakeside, and he's like, dude, like, I, even I would never do I'm that. I'm not like, an even even close to as good as a professional caddy, and that's like one of the first rules yeah. of being a caddy is don't don't fucking touch the sand. You know. So, what is your worst caddy story that you've heard or you've been involved in? Um, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Tiger Woods when he wins the U.S. Open in 2000. Oh, okay. So his caddy is Stevie Williams, famous caddy who was with Tiger for over a decade mm -hmm. um, through Tiger's dominance. And Can I ask you a quick question? Mm -hmm. How much do guys make? Can they make ten percent of the money? 
Ten percent of the purse that the that the uh, player makes. Oh, nice. Stevie Williams is a, good money. Is a millionaire. Uh, good yeah, he made more money than most guys on tour just because Tiger won so much Tiger. money. <laughs> was more. Than good ten percent. All right, continue. True. Sorry, thank you. So, uh, two thousand U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, Tiger Woods. Um, argue, not arguably, um, unanimously, decisively, the, yeah, the greatest uh, golf performance the world has ever seen. He won the U.S. Open by fifteen shots. 15 shots to second place. Um, that's a that's a margin of victory unheard of before. And, yeah. And Colin Morikawa won by two for reference. That's you know, that's typical. Like within he won by 15 shots three. in the U.S. Open too. Right. Unfathomable. Yeah. Unfathomable. So it's it was clear how much how far beyond the rest of the field he was. And um, I believe it was on Saturday, the third round of the tournament. Uh, Tiger, or the night before, they the couldn't third finish, round. right? Right. So the the on Friday they were rained out. So Tiger on Saturday would have to play uh, the last six holes of his Friday round, and the other eighteen holes that was his Saturday round. Um, he's already got a big lead in winning the tournament. Okay, it's he's already won many. He's uh, up majors. by I think he's up by eight at that point. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so the night before, so Friday night, he goes into his golf bag in the hotel room and pulls a couple balls out of the bag. I think it was three balls or something like that. And he starts putting around. Doesn't put the balls back in the bag because that's his caddy's job in a certain sense to keep track of the balls, manage what's in the bag. He manages the bag. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's caddy's job. Tiger. Certain amount of clubs, certain amount of balls. Right. right. Towels, drinks, you know, Tiger eats a peanut butter banana sandwich every three holes. Whatever. Every three, like holes? Every three holes? Every three holes. So stuff that, like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that a real thing? Mm hmm Wow. So, you know, stuff like that. It's the caddy's job to would make sure get, he has... Did you get tired of peanut butter banana? That's a dick. Dude, that's just tiger fuel, bro. There's, uh, it's tiger fuel. There's science behind it, I guess, nutritionally. Dude, I'm, some, I'm some sure was with Tiger Woods, there's a lot of logic behind that exactly. decision. Like, okay. Nothing's by chance. You learn something new every day. Cool. So, so it's Stevie, Stevie Williams, his caddy. It's Stevie's job to keep, you know, make sure he's got everything in the bag, keep track every day. So Stevie had already prepared the bag for Saturday's round on Friday night before Tiger pulled those balls out. So Saturday, they get on to, you know, they can they resume the Friday round, the second round. They play the six holes, and then they get into saturday's round but stevie didn't check the bag in the saturday morning to make sure all the balls were still there and he had everything so he started off with how many uh he started off with six he loses three so he's basically down to three he originally had six balls for six holes fair and now he has three balls for no six i think holes. there were nine balls in the bag originally tiger pulled out three and then uh there were six left in the bag for 24 four holes. holes yeah for 24 holes as a professional golfer, you know, you switch balls because the balls get scuffed as you as you play. You switch balls every, you know, three to six holes, depending on, you know, what happens to whatever, it. Whatever, what happens to it. You know, some guys have the uh, uh, superstition. Like bogey, you know, get rid of the ball. If I made a couple birdies with this ball, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. You know, if I didn't make a bogey or a double, I'm going to throw it in the crowd. So, Tiger... On the as on his Saturday round, his third round, um, the twelfth hole. So he's only got you know six holes left to play. Uh, scuffs a ball, and he picks it up out of the hole, and it's pretty scuffed. So he just tosses it in the crowd to a fan. Not going to use it anymore. So now there's two balls left. 
For how many holes? For five more holes. Okay, so Stevie then gives him another ball, and Stevie's thinking to himself, okay, when he reached in there, he goes, holy shit. Wait, so you're telling me he played 19 holes on one ball? No, no, he had six balls yeah. in the bag. So there Loses were previously three, nine. They start three to we'll change, interchange three, three to fans, right? Okay. Three gets scuffed. So now, you know, you go through balls as the round progresses. And so now there were three balls left with six holes to play. Tiger scuffs one. Throws it into the crowd. Stevie looks for, give him another ball. Gives him a ball. And now he realizes, holy shit, there's only one ball left. After this one. After, <laughs> after the one that he's on got. 12. On 12. Uh, this is on 13 team. Yeah, on 13. Something. So Tiger plays the next, you know, five holes or four holes with that ball. And he gets to 18 T at Pebble Beach. And the 18th T, and he's maybe got a 12-stroke lead at this point. Yeah. It's a foregone co conclusion Tiger's going to win the U.S. Open. And by, you know, almost Handily, yeah. the most incredible performance ever. And he gets up to the tee box, and it's this long par five, kind of in the shape of a banana to the left. And there's the ocean, the cliff and ocean all along the left side. And there's houses down the right side. And Tiger, this shot doesn't necessarily suit his eye. Tiger likes to see a fade. And this... The hole is more towards suited to a player who sees a draw and he gets up and hits the first one in the ocean and stevie's sitting there like oh my god there's one ball left and so he gives it to tiger and knowing full well if tiger loses this ball that he's disqualified from the tournament that the u.s open that he's handily going to win in the greatest performance ever and so he gives it to Tiger, and he goes, Tiger, why don't we hit an iron off this tee? You know, as if you just hit one in the, in the water. And Tiger looks at him, and he goes, Stevie, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, are you, you, are know, you dumb? Are you like, dumb? Dude, no, I'm, going, up, I'm going for broke, bro. Like, right. I'm killing it right now. Like, so Stevie's sitting there shitting his pants, you know, as Tiger tees it up and gives it another lash, you know. And <laughs> Tiger ends up, you know, hitting it in a fairway or in the rough, and... Tiger still got another shot because the cliff runs all along the side of the hole. Right. Tiger ends up finishing with that ball, and Stevie ends up telling him after the round, he was like, hey, Tiger, you were on your last ball there, by the way. Um, yeah. Because if Stevie were to tell him on 18T, hey, this is your last ball, that, you know, it messes with the player's psyche. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you lose this, all of this is for nothing. Yeah, like, you can't tell yeah. an athlete. Like, that's it, terrible. Can't, doesn't work that way. So, um... That is probably one Plus of the... Plus, it's a lot more forgivable if you win. You so know what the, I mean? Like... The, the best performance of golf ever almost got messed up uh, by a mishap uh, on the ball count. I would love to go back and see the videos of his face during that. Oh, well, dude, wow. <laughs> there, I, I think there is one. There is one. It must be the um, biggest, like... Have you had any personal run-ins? I mean, who do you... Who caddies... Do you guys... Have you ever had a caddy before? I have. I have. So, my dad and mom have both caddied for me. A couple friends of mine... Have caddied for me. Um, my my coach, my swing coach, has caddied for me before. Um, I would say I haven't had an issue with a caddy of mine, um, but I have seen a uh, actually it happened in the bunker again. It's another caddy of a player. Um, a player was in a bunker, and there were footprints on the other side of the bunker. 20 feet away, big bunker, and the caddy, caddy's holding the rake, and before the player goes up to hit his ball, the caddy's like, you know, I'm just going to rake these footprints over here. Um, 
unintentionally, you know, not to test the sand, nor would testing the sand 20 feet away from yeah, the ball really mm. have a large Damn. impact. So he goes and he rakes the sand there, and a rules official happened to be on the hole and goes up to him and he goes, hey, you know, you can't do that. And he goes, I, do, do what? Because he didn't intend to do anything wrong, the mm. caddy. And he was like, you you raked the bunker before your player hit. You know, you tested the sand in that bunker. And according to the rules, yes, he had, you know. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's, made that fall. That's so, sad. Um, that was that was kind of a sad one. And I can't be a rules official because I couldn't do that. Yeah. I you, just couldn't. You don't want to be that, that person. Yeah. yeah. And that happens a lot. I mean, more often than not, guys are will do something wrong, but a lot of times it it's unintentional sure and it's it's always kind of a tough i don't want to say tough spot but everybody's got to be honest to themselves everyone's got yeah. a soft spot in their heart for that True. kind of moment you right. know what i mean where it's like all right so uh you recently just came off like an east coast kind of golf tour that your family went on because your whole family are avid golfers um and you went and paid played uh beth page beth page black right in yeah. new york that hosted the last PGA Championship before the one at TBC Harding Park that Brooke Keppel won. Um, so we wanted to ask uh, some of your favorite courses you played across the U.S. or maybe other parts of the world. So Bethpage Black, um, easily the hardest golf course I've ever played. No way. And I played from where they had the PGA Championship tees. Um, they moved it from a par 70, 71 to a par 70. They made one of the par 5s into a par 4. And that was an awesome experience to play. Um, mm -hmm. And to see... Um, I played I played well, but Brooks Kapka to shoot sixty three on that setup was nuts. Yeah, that's that's what you shoot on. Unbelievable! It? I shot seventy five, mm -hmm. and I shot thirty five on the front nine, and on the back nine, I missed three fairways, and all three times I missed the fairways, I made double. Sure, mm -hmm. um, that, I, I made a birdie in there to right. Yeah. So it's you know it's long par fours. It's you know on the back nine, I think there's like three par fours over five hundred yards. Jeez. And the rough wow. is yay high. So if you find your ball, you know, you're only advancing at 30 yards up the fairway. And, you know, if you miss the fairway, it's automatic bogey and or worse. So, and you have to hit driver because the hole's long enough that it forces yeah. you to hit a driver. So it was, you know, an incredible experience. It was super cool. Um, definitely the hardest course I've ever played. My favorite golf course um would probably be Riviera. Really? Mm. Riviera Country Club. Awesome. In uh Pacific Palisades down here right. in LA where they play the uh Genesis Open now. Right. Otherwise dubbed as the LA Open. Used to be the Northern Trust, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. They changed sponsors. And it was, you know, I played Riviera hand met maybe twenty times. And it is a great setup because it's yeah. not you know, Beth Page Black was a grind it was hard it was you know you're supposed to make bogeys you're supposed to fight for pars you know you might sprinkle in a birdie here or there if you hit great shots riviera was um is a really balanced test of golf mm -hmm. in order to shoot low there you have to be on your game and if you're out of position then you are going to struggle so mm -hmm. what it it tests not only the great ball striker and the great putter, but it also tests the great course, you know, game manager. Again, back to mm -hmm. course management. Missing in the correct spots, having the right game plan to navigate the course correctly. So mm -hmm. it's a very 
It's a very, it's difficult, but it's a very fair test of golf. Dude, the greens at River are crazy. They're awesome. They're, they're crazy. I think in they're uh, so nuts. They're over the past five years, they've been the most consistently three putted uh, greens on tour. Top five. Really? Top Dude. five most three putted. Completely yeah. believe that. Yeah. It's incredible how they navigate that. And it's funny you'll yeah. see golfers have like put up big numbers at Riv. Yeah, yeah. that are good golfers too because it's just so, like I feel like it's easy to fall apart there. We got a couple more questions for you and, uh, as we're wrapping up, and so now we kind of just wanted to talk about. Um, we know the season was kind of ab abruptly ended because of COVID, um, and we know you have some future plans in terms of your golf career. So we want to tee you up. Um, sorry on the pun. Well, no, we uh, don't apologize for puns here. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny of me, but uh, <laughs> tee you up to just kind of talk about some of your future plans and what we can look forward to uh, out of you and you know the next couple of years. Absolutely. So, um, right because of COVID nineteen uh, that hit in February March. Mm -hmm. Our uh, was your season underway yet? Or? Yes, it was. So we we golf plays all year round. But our main season, we're considered a spring sport, and our the conference championships and NCAA's regionals, natties, are all in May. So that's the part of the season that matters. That's when you want to be peaking. That's when you want to play well. That's what the whole year is geared towards. And so ours got canceled this year in February. Hmm. Luckily, I had redshirted my freshman year at UCSB. So I had the ability to, I just finished my fourth year and I had the ability to play a fifth year if I wanted to. So at the beginning of the year, I went to coach and I said, hey coach, I have uh, feel like I've been get, getting better every year and I feel like uh, now I'm a vital part of the team and you're gonna have a bunch of guys leave at the end of this year, um, one of them possibly being me. And I'm the only one that has another year of eligibility and you're gonna be, I don't wanna say be stuck with, but you're gonna be you're gonna be left a very young, um, inexperienced team. I'd love to play another year. Um, I'm on track to graduate in four years, but I wanna be here another year. I wanna yeah. play for you another year. And it would give me, myself, another year of time to prepare myself for, for professional golf, which is what I wanna do. Mm -hmm. And you know, get bigger, stronger, clean things up in my swing. Yeah. And so coach said, yeah, you know, let's do it. So I got super lucky there that I had um, an extra year and I already had it planned out. Mm -hmm. um, so coronavirus, you know, canceling the end of our season. Now, does that give you an extra year of eligibility? So yes, so, and, so technically I have a, I can do a sixth year if I want and play a sixth year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Six I want. year senior, Ooh. Not, not sure about that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Alabas is a pretty cool place. Tommy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Post for two more years. Um, so, here's the cool thing. Or, golf clubs. Those, are, those, golf are, clubs. those are golf clubs. <laughs> Don't sweat it. So, the, uh, the cool thing about it for me is that, you know, I was really looking forward to playing, and I was playing really well. Actually, my last round, the last round I played was I shot 67 at La Cumbre with a new set of irons. Mm. First time playing with these irons, I'm like, let's go. We've got a tournament in five days. We're gonna leave. It was up in Slow, San Luis Obispo, mm -hmm. and at a course that I really like. So I was excited, playing well to get after it. Boom! Shit hits the fan. Everything canceled and everything got locked down. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know everybody knows what happened after that. Right. But the interesting thing about it is because I have my sights set on playing professional golf, 
and that's what I want to do. That's what I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. That's what I've been passionate about, and that's what I've worked my whole life to do. And I know, and I knew in the back of my mind, that there were things in my game that needed to change for me to play professional golf. Um, I hit it really high. I had a lot of spin on my ball, and I hit a big, you know, fade. That's kind of my trademark. Um, and that was really good and really consistent, but I've, there are holes, there are golf courses where you need to hit it the other way. Yeah. You need to hit some big draws. Mm -hmm. and not that I couldn't hit the draw, I couldn't hit it consistently. I wasn't comfortable hitting it, as comfortable as I should be. And, you know, taking spin off the ball is a big part of um, controlling your ball flight and golf at a, at a much higher level. So I knew these changes needed to be made. It's hard to make changes in any sport yeah. when you consistently have to perform, mm -hmm. right? So if I have a tournament in two weeks, I want to be gearing up for that tournament. I want to yeah. be playing. My mind is focused on that tournament. My mind is not focused on, I need to make these changes in my swing. So you can be better down the road. So I can like, be better down the road. You don't road. have time for that. Absolutely. And, you know, if I try making these changes, you know, I'm not going to be as consistent in that tournament. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not used. Yeah, I'm actively working on it. It's, I'm not used yeah, to this. Yeah, it's not time for practice. It's time for playing. Exactly. You know, and the same thing with putting on weight. I want to yeah. be 15, 20 pounds heavier. I want to have more muscle. I want to be stronger. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be sore and yeah. adjust to that while you're swinging. Not just sore, but stronger. You know. Yeah. I've tried yeah. to do it before, and I, you go out there and you hit a couple balls too far, and you go, "Well, I don't know how far I hit the ball." Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, an eight iron used to go 160 yards. I just accidentally hit one 170 yards. Mm -hmm. You know what the fuck? Yeah, how am I how, supposed? How to... am I going to do course right. management with that? Exactly. How... And I imagine to a degree, there'd be a level of like the yips where it's like if you're going to try something out in a competition, it's you're not working out. Your score's mm -hmm. creeping up on you. It's competition. You're letting your team down. You're like probably going to detract from furthering your game. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it's just like you. It's there's a negative reinforcement with it, you know? Yeah. So uh, I've taken this opportunity um, since March to revamp and, and make the changes I've needed to make, which because I haven't, you know, been forced, I don't want to say forced to, but I haven't been, it, it, I haven't needed to play any tournaments. So that's an awesome thing for me. And mm -hmm. my game right now, what, we're in August, five months later is significantly improved as to awesome. where it was then yeah Good. and i still have um three four months to go until i have so, to play in another track um if you That's could could you potentially walk us through what a path to the pga tour for brandon bueno might look like absolutely so um we're gonna scratch the whole coronavirus aspect of it for now but mm -hmm. i'll equate it to baseball so in baseball you have mlb the show the major leagues right mm -hmm. And then you have triple A and double A, and then single A, right? In golf, it's very similar. You have the PGA Tour, which is, we'll equate that to the major leagues in baseball. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Corn Ferry Tour, which Corn Ferry is a- Management consultant. Right. A naming partner. Exactly, so it's, it's basically the triple A tour. Um, and then underneath the triple A tour, underneath the Corn Ferry Tour, there are three smaller tours. There's the McKenzie Tour, which is PGA Tour Canada. There's the PGA Tour Latino America and PGA Tour China. So each one of these has a qualifying. Are those score. all double A? 
Those are all double A equivalents. These are all equivalents. Okay. And what you do is you qualify into one of these three tours. Mm -hmm. And then if you play well enough, you know, uh, top 10 over the season, then you move up mm -hmm. to the Corn Ferry Tour. And then if you top 25 in the Corn Ferry Tour, then you mm -hmm. move up PGA. to the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. um, so there are ways in which you can somewhat skip the traditional process. Um, every Most PGA Tour events have Monday qualifying. So the week before the tournament, if the tournament starts on a Thursday, the Monday there's a qualifier to get into the PGA Tour event. Mm -hmm. Normally that qualifier, the exemptions are for guys on the Corn Ferry Tour. So there's a pre-qualifier for the qualifier yeah. for a PGA Tour event, which is anybody in college um, and guys without Corn Ferry Tour or uh, without Corn Ferry Tour status. Mm -hmm. So a guy like me or a guy in college, in order to skip that route, um, for instance, Jordan Spieth, great example. He Monday qualified into a PGA Tour event, and then he top 10, he got a top 10 in that PGA Tour event. So he's locked in for the next one. So he was able to play the next one. If you top 10 in a PGA Tour event, you're eligible to play the next week. They give you exemption the next week. And the next week, he ended up winning the PGA Tour event. And when you win a PGA Tour event, you get, along with the $1.3 million or whatever, you get... <laughs> Big um, payday. The casual one point. You get a two-year exemption yeah. into on the PGA Tour. So at that, for that... You're moment, in it. At that moment, Jordan Spieth had his PGA Tour card, and that is a bypass. That happens once every 20 years yeah. mm -hmm. or so that someone does. That's just shooting straight to the top. Correct. So the traditional route and, you know, the way it's framed is... Um, or formatted is that you qualify for one of the three smaller tours you spend a year doing that and you spend a year in the corn ferry tour and then you're on the pga tour assuming you play well all and you hustle years. to stay in there correct um professional golf is a grind and when you're on the pga tour you got to keep qualifying every monday right um no when you're on the pga tour you get you're into every one of the events but in order to stay on the pga tour for the next year you got to get in top inside the top 125 125 players mm -hmm. Um, on tour, that gotcha. and that cut actually okay. is being made tomorrow, right? On it the is. FedEx, the end of the FedEx tour. So, it is. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that works. Guys are hustling. Yeah, it's Absolutely. big, big moving day on Sunday. Um, so for you, I know it's typical. I know Jordan Spieth's first tournament he, he played was a course that he was super familiar with in Dallas, where he's from, where he um, played a lot of um, tournaments in high school. Um, are there any tournaments you have your eye on that are at courses you're super familiar with or tradition, you know, courses you score on that you could potentially do that route on? Or are you looking to go into Q school after you graduate next so year? So th I'm thinking, so right now we're in August of 2020. And I've got one more year of school in order to get my body, game, and mind in the spot where I want to when I turn pro. So I'm thinking basically 11 months to a year in advance from now when Q school is. And it's at that point where so I want to So explain Q school. So Q school is basically a tournament, one tournament that, you know, anybody can sign up for, um, but it is expensive and that's how they limit the amount of people that sign up. You only sign up if you're serious. Q school is 2,500 bucks for one tournament. And you know, the top 14 players gain status into uh, one of the three tours, whichever one you do the Q school for. So mm -hmm. I would probably do uh, Canada Tour Q school, the McKenzie Tour, 
um, and ho play, you know, hope, I don't want to say hopefully, but play well in that and then get my card for the Canada Tour. Mm -hmm. Does that give you an exemption for a full year on the Canada Tour? It does. Okay. For the season. We call nice. it the season. Right. Um, and then hopefully... Would that be the summer after you graduate? Is it start? Right. So it starts exactly summer, so in basically a year from now. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, this year, due to COVID-19, the Canada Tour was canceled, mm -hmm. among with many other tours and sports in general, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which put a lot of guys in limbo who were... You know, I'm lucky enough that I got an extra year. Yeah. To uh But kids that made it or I mean were trying to make it are kind of in a tough mm -hmm. Exactly. Are in a tough, tough spot, spot right now. There's, where they're gonna have a loud competition too for the next one. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's almost like two so, years of kids. The timeline for you looks like you're gonna play your senior season, get your body right, mind right, get your game right, play Q school, top fourteen for Canada tour, play a season on the Canada tour. Yeah. And then are there opportunities because I know the opens, the way the opens work are pretty unique in terms of like their field is is wider than most PGA Tour events, right? Yeah. Or um, how does well, that work? so some PGA Tour events are considered opens, some are invitationals. Um, I would say probably the good majority of PGA Tour events are open. Uh, probably about seventy percent, and then every tournament on the Corn Ferry Tour is also an open, which means they have a Monday qualifier. Mm -hmm. So in the process of playing uh, Canada Tour, um, I would also travel and try to play in Monday Corn Ferry events. Monday Corn Ferry qualifiers in order to see if I can that week play on the Corn Ferry Tour tournament right. instead of the Canada Tour tournament. Um, and Corn Ferry Tour has uh, less or more lax standards as in top 35, you get exempt to the next week. Mm, cool. And then if you keep that running, then you can almost get mm -hmm. your Corn Ferry Tour card. So do you think those opportunities are going to come? How frequently do you think those opportunities will come as you play a season on the Canadian Tour? So the cool thing about uh, professional golf, unlike any other sport, is that you control your own destiny. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to scout you. Nobody has to believe in you. Nobody has yeah. to sign you. That's cool. Nobody has to do anything. It's simply if you show up, and you, and you play the best, you move on. Mm -hmm. So it is solely and 100%. It's not disputable. Yeah. It's up not, to you. It's not hype surrounding this player. It's, nope. Yeah. Nothing like that. And and that's that's the really cool thing about it. That is so really I cool. I know. It's the way I think about it. If I work hard enough, if I train in the correct manner, mm -hmm. that, you know, I will make it one day. And, mm -hmm. you know, like every, like every sport, there are guys who should have made it and don't end up making it and guys who you would have think had no chance of making it tried it and just happened to catch lightning in a bottle for yeah. a couple months and boom yeah found their they're ticket. on tour looking exactly. at you alex caruso <laughs> <laughs> for real exactly. that was uh thank you so much for explaining that dude that seems really cool it seems uh like you have a lot of intrinsic motivation behind your plan yeah so um you know you have all of our support obviously and we're going to be really stoked once you We're crack, rooting for you, Wayne. Once, uh, once you crack into the Canada, Canada Tour, Corn Ferry, and eventually PGA. All right, so we're wrapping up again with what's up, Doc, this week. Wayne uh, <laughs> um, actually had a really good idea because um, the documentary that he wanted to propose was one that I've already recommended. But then he said there's a sports psychology book that he's read multiple times that he wants to pitch. So yeah, so I'm gonna go with the book. I get it. I'm a nerd. 
um, but a nerd at what I do, which I'm is a, golf. I might follow you with the book. Sports. So. Um, so my book is, uh, I read, but I only read, you know, sports psychology books. Um, and The Rise of Superman. It has nothing to do with like comic books Marvel. or superheroes or anything like that. Um, what it is, it's uh, the author. Uh, so in sports psychology, any sport, golf, baseball, basketball, um, when someone is playing their best, they're in a state of flow. We've all experienced the state of flow. Mm -hmm. um, it's a point where you are focused on a task and you lose sense and track of everything else. So we've all, you know, easy way to describe it is everybody's been, you know, obsessed with a project or something and you're doing something and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you look up and you go, holy shit, it's been two hours. Right. And you didn't even realize it. Where'd all the time go? You were in the zone. You know, you could call it the zone. Um, and the author basically goes on this quest. Um, he goes, how do we find the zone? And he goes, um, how, what route would I take on finding this? And he goes, he, he went, goes to extreme sport athletes, mm. big wave surfers, yep. um, you know, big ramp skateboarders, Marathon runners, bikers, you know, uh, the gnarly, uh, uh, outdoor, like big mountain skiers, snowboarders, mm. you know, crazy life threatening stuff. Right. Yeah. So the, his, his, uh, idea was if these guys don't achieve the peak performance the cost is their life yeah it's death and how is it that a guy like Laird Hamilton is able to hop on this you know death ride <laughs> basically yep. and get through it every time what is his secret guys like um, Tony Pastrana right Travis 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 Pastrana, Travis Pastrana yeah. you know first guy to do a backflip on a motorcycle people didn't even think it was physically possible mm. to do a backflip on a motorcycle and now your guys are hucking you know triple <laughs> backflips and mctwists and crap <laughs> like that right Scary shit. um what is it about these guys that these things have never been done and they say i'm going to do it and they pull it off mm -hmm. every time um so it's it's a I'm not gonna spoil it or whatnot, but that was uh, the author's take on how to find um, the state of flow, and he interviews a lot of these guys and he takes it. So from a sports performance um, point of view, that's my favorite book. Sweet man, um, and I'll piggyback kind of off the action sport part because I'm gonna pitch my favorite documentary, which you can easily find on like one, two, three movies. I'm sure they have it bid on there. Um, it's my favorite 30 for 30 and it's called the birth of big air. It's the story about Matt Hoffman who's like um, kind of the premier BMX dude um, in the 90s and you know he's been featured in a bunch of jackass movies. He's um, a crazy man. Yeah, absolutely wild. He built this They're like, all psychopaths. He built this like 35 foot rickety ramp at his house in Oklahoma and just like sent it and you know bro unofficially broke the record the first time he went up there and then does it a couple more times on like a motorized bike almost breaks his neck and like is still doing it like the second he can't you know he's cleared yeah. to you know like the guy's an absolute nut has no and his fear. story is yeah. so sick um and then he you know obviously a lot of people are inspired by him and he kind of you know bird the whole new crew of you know badass skaters and snowboarders and bikers that were sending it as high as he was like sean uh sean white said you know he wouldn't have ever thought that anybody could go that high before 
before watching Matt Hoffman's. So an absolute beast. I would totally recommend it. All right, so I'm going to go with a book, actually, as well. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not setting precedence for the future, but... This is a one-time thing. I'm going book. Um, there's a book called, by a data... Um, not a well, data scientist, but more of a, like a cognitive scientist named Steven Pinker. Okay. And it's called Enlightenment Now. And it basically is a book, and I'm suggesting it mainly with what's going on right now. It's a case for optimism. So it's basically, it, you know, talks about some of these things like recency bias and negativity bias, where it's like, it's pretty easy to think the world's a bad place. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And he basically says that outlining it with the Enlightenment principles of like the Enlightenment period during like the 1700s, mm -hmm. he says there are four main things. Uh, there's reason, science, humanity, and progress. Mm -hmm. And he's basically saying that by using all of these those four things, we have actually unequivocally made the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And he breaks it down in every every regard. He's like poverty, so much better. You know, education so much better. You know, uh, the, the violence we have in this world so much better. So it's a really cool book because he kind of breaks down a lot of the things that it's easy. You always hear it's like, well the world is this much worse off it's like no it's not mm -hmm. actually we've made multiple horrible yeah. diseases go extinct virtually you know what i mean right. we're a lot closer to making aids go extinct than you think mm -hmm. you know a lot of people are like oh nuclear war eventually the you know right. the world is gonna blow up it's hard actually, to, it's hard to have that level of optimism these days so it is nice to refer to that. it's it's hard to have that level of optimism and he does a very good job of not just making it an emotional argument for it but giving you data to back it up mm -hmm. um and it, it really does give you a little bit of kind of faith in, in I wonder humanity. what his take on 2020 is, you know? I want to know so badly. Let's see, I'm, let's I'm see actually, him do an interview or something. Right? I'm thinking about sending him an email because, honestly, cool. he's a regular guy. He's mm -hmm. a cognitive science professor at Harvard. Like, right. I don't think he's like... <laughs> should be like, your book is really inspiring. Like, yeah. how would you attribute some of these, you know, ideas Explain to what we're Explain this grim outlook away. Yeah, right. please, yeah. No, so... Or maybe, uh, like, ask him, like, would you... Could you potentially write a book within the context of what we're living in now? Totally. Dude, I, I will I bet he does because he does a lot of books like these. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I'll give, I'll give you guys posts if I do send him an email. Um, but it's a really good book. It's called Enlightenment Now. It's a, it's a good book. Right on. So that is us wrapping up episode six of Loading with Will and Finn featuring Brandon Bueno. Thank you so much for joining us this week, brother. Course, brother. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for dropping awesome. knowledge on golf. Hopefully awesome. you guys hey, look out something. for him on the tour, right? Yeah, root for our boy in a couple years.